welcome to Acting Out, a podcast where we look at the careers of specific actors, taking a curated selection of their filmography and doing an episode per film to analyze why they remain an actor we love to discuss. My name is Mitchell Beaupre, and with me, as always, is my podcast co-host, Ryan McQuaid. Hello, Ryan. Hi, Mitchell. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? Tired. Yes, we're all tired here. I'm tired. We're all just. I'm sleepy. <laughs> Throat hurts a little bit. I told you I'm, I'm playing a little injured today. Yeah, which is a good time to talk about four films on uh, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, normally, normally on this podcast, we do stick with the simple approach: one film per episode. Really, you know, sweet and easy, very easy to explain. But today, we are doing things a little bit different as. We are in the middle of our Tom Hanks series. It was inevitable that we were going to cover Toy Story at some point. You you have to. You're doing Tom Hanks. You got to get the Woody in there. You got to talk about it. But wait, for wait, say that again. You got to no, get the no, one. No, no. You got to get the one in there. We're moving. We're moving right past yeah, it. All right. Okay. Now I think I see what future, kind of show this is going to be. I see we're, what gonna, kind. we're just gonna. We're gonna. You know, it was said, and now we're moving on. <laughs> okay. It's probably going to happen many times. When you're talking mm-hmm. about Woody's, you know, you got to, it's just, it's a part of the process. Yeah. Doing a little Bo Peep in the Woody, you know, whatever's going to happen. Now, in the, I think in the future when we're doing, you know, other actors, maybe if we're covering a sort of franchise, maybe it'll make sense to do, still stick with, you know, one film kind of thing. You do... If we do a Robert Downey Jr. series at some point, you know, maybe we just just do the first Iron Man or Avengers Endgame, just that, and not you know the the MCU as a whole or anything mm. like that. But for for Hanks with Toy Story, it just felt like the thing that really makes the most sense was to to scale this mountain and tackle all four of them. It felt wrong to only do the first one, I think, to me at least. I don't know, you know, as so as I guess as we begin this episode, what do you feel like this was the right decision for us to do the whole franchise together or do you do you already regret it before we even dive into it? I regret nothing. Nothing. I thought that was I thought that was going a different way. I regret nothing. I never regret <laughs> anything on the show with you. What are you talking about? Um I think that this will be a very interesting exercise for sure uh, yeah. for us here uh, on acting out because we're going to be talking about four films and they are four very beloved films and they're four films of our generation. Big fans of Toy Story out there. I think I think also like and we'll talk about it more, but four films that define our generation for sure. Most. Yeah, maybe yeah, the yeah. most yeah. of any other films. To be yeah. honest with you, yeah. and spawned. I mean, this is this is not only spawning the most commercial appeal of Tom Hanks's career, but also spawning a dynasty yeah. in animation. I mean, Pixar is now its own beast. I mean, completely revolutioning and revolutionizing a style of animation as well that oh, other yeah. people have had to, you know, emulate and try to capture that magic as well themselves. And still, yeah, Pixar. I mean, it's it's crazy to think about a world where there wasn't Pixar, because I mean, we're we're starting, you know, from the start of Pixar as a feature film 
you know, production with the first Toy Story. And yeah, I mean, it's really, it feels like they've just existed our whole lives because um, we were both pretty young when the first one happened. And yeah, it's really bizarre to think of, you know, all the people out there who couldn't even conceptualize something like this when the first Toy Story came out. Yeah, I mean, now we're in a situation where we almost get like two Pixar films a year. Yeah. Something original, something maybe that's more nostalgic on the past. Yeah. That's how we get in like Lightyear this year, which is weirdly nostalgic to this, which is like it's... And that's Lightyear is based on the... What is it? The... It's based on a human being, right? As as we all understand, it's based on a real guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Lightyear is real. Uh, he, he lived in the 1960s. And of, course, a, of course, of course. Go-to drink was Tang, obviously. Ah, of course, yeah. of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Of course of Who course, doesn't? Course. Tang and he was feeling a little little naughty, Mr. Pip. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you got to switch it up. Sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta get the fist. Lightyear, I'm pretty sure Lightyear was, he was one of the guys in Apollo 13, right? When we did that episode, one of those guys? Oh, yeah, he was totally Kevin Bacon. Um, Ah, yeah, yeah, Kevin Bacon, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, Lightyear, it will be interesting to see what that movie, uh, how is that movie, and and what it means. I keep forgetting that it exists, and I'm not... I'm not looking forward to it, but we'll we'll see what happens. So I, I've had my doubts. I've had we'll talk about it. I've had my doubts about you know a Toy Story movie, you know coming out and feeling like are we, like why are we doing like what's the need for you know some of these movies? Uh, you know we'll we'll talk about them at some point during it, and then they've you know they've surprised me and really hit it out of the park. So I, Pixar is definitely one of those studios where you know it's it's tough to doubt them necessarily. I feel like people are are putting more and more of their chips on hoping to doubt them. Sure. With at least their sequel properties. I think with their original properties, people put their chips in the middle of the table to defend them till the, to the ends of time. Uh, there are certain directors that people love from Pixar that, that I love as well. And then there are direct, there's a director that I, I just don't get it and I will never understand it. And, um, think that they are, a little bit wonky with their messaging and the last couple of films aren't as great as people think they are. So I think that that's, yeah, that's Pete doctor. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not, the, I'm not on the doctor train. I'm not seeing that physician. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, my physicians are like Andrew Stanton, who I think is, you know, his movies are pretty fantastic. I think like finding Nemo and Wally, especially is, it's just, it's Wally. Wally. God, it's great. And then uh, Brad Bird, to me, has made the two best Pixar movies. Spoiler alert. Um, I think Ratatouille and The Incredibles, which is actually my favorite uh, Pixar movie uh, still. Because weirdly enough, and I don't know if you do this, Mitchell, I separate the Toy Story films from the rest of Pixar. I think that they... See, that's interesting. That's I was wondering. I I do my own thing with them. I think that they are... Because, like... I think they're an entirely different ball game yeah. than the rest of what that studio has ever done. Like I think every other story it's a, it feels different and, and it's unique within its own rights. But like toy story to me is like I said earlier, it's us. It's, it's, it's weirdly us. We grew up with these things. It's, it's, it's from it, our inception. Yeah. It's like, one of those things yeah. that is tough to try and navigate from like a, 
objective or i mean as objective as you can be in like criticism it's always subjective but to try and tackle it from like an analytical perspective because it is definitely something that is so ingrained in us that it's it's tough to see that way for sure yeah i don't know how what is your like your relationship with pixar because like i i feel i feel like this is the studio of all studios that we as our generation of our age because you're i mean i'm 30 you're um, 31 31 so we're not we're not too far off from one another and um and we're looking great by the way uh but no it this truly is i think the studio even more so now like a movie like soul doesn't exist for children in my opinion that movie is is really made for the generation that's grown up with inside pixar from this first film in toy story all the way up till that and i still think that even to this day like i think like making turning red that's very much for like our generation because it's literally built within the era of our generation the 90s so it's it i think of pixar as being ours and if illumination and all those want to be for like the new kids like i'm sorry but their brain cells are going to go down the toilet uh because like we grew up with like these really fun yet challenging and almost like art house pieces because like to me same time as this was happening they bought out uh studio ghibli right and so they were disney was curating both of these studios at the time and those (laughs) it's funny because like at that at the time period of which um pixar and ghibli were being brought to disney Disney itself wasn't as thriving as it as it was in the 90s. And now it's kind of, I guess, had a little bit of a, a second wave renaissance for itself, um, you know, with films like Frozen and Moana and things like that. But Pixar has still remained, I think, king for Disney animation. So I'm, I'm curious for you where it stands for you in some of the films and the film, you know, in the, the I guess the studio's filmography. Yeah, Pixar is a really interesting one that I think for a while I kind of ran hot and cold on, but it is, I think Pixar, I think for a lot of people too, but especially for our generation at this point, when you think of like animation, your brain just goes to Pixar, especially Mm -hmm. when you think of kind of Hollywood animation. It's like, I mean, there's a reason that Pixar movies are tend to be the front runners for the Oscar every single year for animated film. And, you know, there's certainly you can talk about there being a problem with that, about it being kind of like a monopoly as far as awards and stuff. People don't want to seek too much outside of that. But it speaks to how synonymous Pixar is with what we see as animation these days. And I mean, that's crazy to think about that when you think about the fact that as a studio putting out films they've only been around for 27 years and they have so quickly put this kind of a stranglehold on how people see animation in hollywood movies and i think for me i i do rank the toy stories still within the larger (laughs) pixar sphere but i definitely understand what you're talking about with them being their own thing for you because i think that i mean it certainly it certainly is that for me too where i have this familiarity with the toy story movies that none of the other pixar ones could possibly replicate like within even just the iconography of 
these movies thinking about something like Peeps a Planet and how oh, that is God. just like a thing yeah. that like I know and it's just ingrained in me and no other Pixar movie could possibly match that the yeah these symbols in these movies the characters and what they are there's just nothing else that's quite like that not only in Pixar movies but yeah probably like you said in in really any movies it's it's such a unique thing and that's why partly it was so interesting to revisit all four of them for this and see them I had never watched them in succession before I had the first two were kind of just part of me for such a long time that it felt like I just knew every single beat of them. So I don't even know. I had watched the first one again a couple years ago, kind of at the beginning of the pandemic as like a comfort thing. Um, just because one day I was like, I feel really crappy. The world sucks. Let me just put on Toy Story. And so I had seen that one kind of recently. The second one I hadn't seen I I don't even know. I probably don't even have it. I didn't even have it logged on my letterbox. Uh, so like not within the last 10 years um, had I seen the second one. The third I hadn't seen since it came out and the fourth I hadn't seen since it came out. So I had these like big stretches of time in between watching them before where I was seeing Toy Story 4 nine years after seeing Toy Story 3. And so it felt like I could analyze it more as its own separate thing because it had been such a long period of time. And it was really interesting watching them all together and seeing kind of that evolution of the series, the franchise, seeing how different things within what Pixar was doing changed within those periods of time. Like, I think that what you're talking about with Pixar almost following our generation is something that you can really see reflected in the Toy Story franchise because Toy Story 4 is such a different movie than Toy Story 1. Not yeah. only in like animation, but also just thematically. And it feels like it is, while there probably is stuff in there for kids who are discovering it for the first time and for them to just be able to purely enjoy it. Like it is a very funny movie. I think it's a very accessible movie. But it does feel like there are the themes and those core ideas in Toy Story 4 are, spe- are speaking more specifically to us and that i think speaks again to kind of the idea that soul is a movie that came out a year after toy story 4 and like you said that feels like a movie that is really more adult like i don't know how much kids can really get out of soul uh but i I mean i'd be curious to know too because like like turning red like you said is a movie that is of like this generation and the time period that it takes place in is very specific so it feels like it's targeted towards people of our age in certain ways but i also feel like turning red is probably more certainly more so than soul a movie that kids can probably really connect with and i'm really excited that it exists for kids to be able to see something like that and grow up with a movie like that but yeah as far as the toy stories go it is very interesting to watch them kind of within the context of when they came out uh both the time periods that it came out, the years that they came out, but also, yeah, within the the overall kind of Pixar oeuvre of what was going on within Pixar at that time, what had been going on, what Pixar had been doing in the years between, you know, the previous one and the current one or whatever, like between Toy Story 2 and 3 or 3 and 4 or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, these films have evolved as the studio has evolved. Yeah. The first, mm-hmm. I mean, we can get into it if you want, into the first film. Um, yeah. If you want to lead into it, um, 
I don't know if you want to do a plot synopsis or anything real quick. Um, but yeah, I think I think it probably makes sense to. Yeah, I mean, uh, does anyone out there know what a Toy Story movie is? Um, <laughs> because if you don't, I believe Mitchell's going to explain it right now. Yeah. So we'll, we'll yeah let's just dive in. We're we are as we said going to tackle all four of them. Uh, we'll try not to make this a four hour episode. So try to you know kind of capture the essence of each one and dissect each one as we're going within also the the larger overall scope of them so we'll start just you know at the beginning toy story one released as toy story now we all know it as toy story episode four a new hope you know the rebranding the way that they had to do it when the other ones came out kind of annoying but you know you go back and you watch the others it it all lines do you watch up. them chronologically I, you know, what I like to do is I like to watch three and then I will watch Toy Story of Terror and oh. then I'll watch that, that forky, um, the, the forky shorts stuff that they got going on. Then I'll go back and watch two and then now, so now I'm waiting for Lightyear to come out because then I'll watch a Lightyear and then probably one and then I guess four after that. That's that's probably the order for me, but I'm a little kooky, you know. I know I know people have their different orders. I hate you so much that you went down that rabbit hole, but I also <laughs> so many bonus points for doing that. Like that's that's exactly a a bit I would do. So congratulations on that. There we go. It's it's gonna be a lot of bits. We oh got God. bits going on. Here. We got bits, and we got toys. Yeah, we and you know what? With those toys, we have stories. We have we have. Some stories. So, so many stories. The first story came to us November 22, 1995. Wow, November. I remember the days. What a young a young lad I was. Just walking into a movie theater, wide-eyed, no idea what a Toy Story was. I had seen movies like, what, Jumanji, Seven. What year was this again? 1995. <laughs> Five-year-old me going like to see four seven. or five? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just watching Brad Pitt. I knew what was in the box. You didn't know what a Toy Story was. You barely comprehended what a movie theater was at that time. You're probably like, it's true. What it was? I remember when I went to a movie theater the first time when I was a kid. Well, at least that I can remember. Mm-hmm. And it was like going to a cathedral. Mm-hmm. You know, you were going to the Mecca. You know what I mean? It was, it, and also just like the. I don't know what they're doing nowadays, but the way popcorn smelled back then mm. smelled amazing mm. don't remember what it tasted like it probably still tastes the same but like could almost feel the butter going into your arteries when you're walking in the door does that kind of make sense like when you're a kid yeah, totally. you, it's it's um it's the chocolate river uh theory as i like to call it you know what i mean it's like willy wonka you know where you're just like a place that you have fallen in love with because like you you damn well know that Willy Wonka he he's been to that damn river every single day. Like that's like maybe sure. his contemplation tired, place. Yeah. yeah, he's just like, Oh, it's a chocolate fucking river. Congratulations. But yeah. if you've never seen a chocolate river or you've never sure. been to a chocolate river, you're gonna fucking gobble up all that chocolate. Yeah. You're gonna I don't blame Augustus. Like who wouldn't want to stick their fucking face in a river of chocolate? Well, you know. That can stick their face in the chocolate. <laughs> sorry, Mitchell. No, um, sorry. But if you could, you know you would. True. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to do that? What's 
so what's the first movie that you remember seeing in a theater? Mm. You really want to know? Yeah. Okay. Well, you've asked. Uh, as good as it gets. Really? I So my mom really wanted to see As Good As It Gets, and my dad wanted to see uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. And I really wanted to see Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay. Uh, Love Bond. We've established that many times. Is that the and, one in the show, yo? Tomorrow Never yes. Dies? Jonathan, yeah. uh, uh, Jonathan Reese Myers. No, Bryce. Jonathan Bryce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the bad guy. Yeah, Terry Hatcher. Yeah, Brosnan. Right. We're in the Brosnan era. The second Brosnan. I, I, yeah, film. I confused uh, Tomorrow Never Dies and The World Is Not Enough a lot. I think. How can you? Those mixed up. How dare you? Love The World Is Not Enough. Underrated Bond film for me, in my opinion. Who's the villain in that one? It's um. Oh God. Oh. Sophie Marceau is like the Bond yes. girl in that, right? Yeah. No, she's the Bond. She's like the the one that's the like twist. a Bond girl, but then is the villain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that's with Denise, Denise Richards. Richards. That's of Christmas. Course, that's Christmas Jones. Christmas yep. Jones. And what's his face? Um, from uh, Train Spotting and uh, uh, Full Monty. Um, Robert Carlyle. Robert Carlyle. Yeah, he plays okay. like a guy that he put a bullet in his head, but the bullet didn't finish the job. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Fucking love it. He's like already <laughs> technically dead, but he's not really dead. He can't feel pain. Ah. Yeah. Classic. It's f- fucking great. It's fucking great. Doesn't make any sense, but the movie's great. Really, weirdly enough, like the world is not enough has like sort of the t- the the feeling and the template of what they would do later with the Craig films. It's a very, it's a much more darker, edgier sort of thing. Really highly recommend people go watch that movie. Anyway, I remember... St- to the world is not enough. So my mom, they <laughs> raced to the theater, right? Because this is this is what I loved about our era, is that we understand these problems. People don't understand these problems. People can go on a phone now, get on an app, right? get their reserved seat, and they're set. They don't have to worry about anything. Back then, you knew the movie times in the paper. Remember that, Mitchell? Did you ever go yeah. and scour the Friday paper, see what was coming anything? out in your area? Nice they had the show times literally listed there, the FYC campaign stuff. That was in the paper. They had your local reviewer there, had it all up there, and then it had the box office from the week before and all that fun stuff. You would find your time. you get there. You'd eat beforehand. You'd eat after whatever. You made that decision on your way to the, to the theater. you get out, and you pray to fucking God, if you have one, that... The theater was not sold out, and <laughs> and that you could get in and you can get decent seats. It was a weird, wacky time, but it also was like the thrill of the chase. Yeah, what a time so, to be alive! What a time to be alive! Yeah, there's no time to die. Yeah. Bomb movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tomorrow never dies, or at least the show times don't. Anyway, so my dad, we all agreed it's gonna be Bond. And my mom was like, I have other plans. So she bought fucking three tickets for as good as it gets at the same time. We time. walk into the theater. <laughs> we sit down. I forgot how as good as it gets starts, but my dad went literally under his breath. I remember going, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> good for, good for and, <laughs> and we ended up watching as good as it gets. And I watched that at a ridiculously young age in theaters. That is, yeah, that is kind of a young age. To ridiculously be young age. Even still nowadays when I watch that movie, I'm like, how did my mom get away with this? 
How is I not repossessed? She she wanted um, to see that state. movie. She, she really said, wanted we're, to. We're going to see this movie. Oh, boy, howdy. Was it not really worth it? But anyway, yeah, uh, at that remember. time, though, when you're a kid, though, you get to see an adult movie like, well, like, an, uh, not an adult movie like, you know, Kevin Costner. We all thought he did said that at the Oscars. But, like, you get to see, like, a drama. You get to see something yeah. that only movies adults. Movies made for adults. Yeah, movies made for not, you know, that didn't have animation all fucking around or whatnot. But that was the first film I remember seeing in theaters. And it did nothing for me. <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, but do you remember the first movie you ever saw in theaters? First movie I saw in theaters... The reason that I this is scarred into my brain is because it gave me horrible, horrible nightmares. I was three oh, years old. Oh, yes. I saw Dennis the Menace oh, with yeah. Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau. And yeah. I, it gave me horrible nightmares. I, is that I, one I of the Culkins? Uh, you know, I think I think it is, actually. I think it is. I, I can look it up just to be sure. Um, just, I'm pretty sure it, it is. I'm but, pretty sure. Yeah, I... I remember, like, I think that is the first movie that I saw. Um, what terrified you about it? I don't remember. I think somebody just, like, looked away that was, like... I Like, I don't remember the movie at all. It's not one Were of you movies. scared of Walter Matthau? Is that what it was? I don't think it was Walter Matthau, but... <laughs> yeah, I don't... I don't remember what it was that gave me nightmares, but I just remember that it gave me nightmares. And was then, it one of the Culkins? No, it wasn't. It was so I, somebody that we wouldn't even know. Oh, okay. Um, so some other kid. All right. Yeah, some 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 other kid. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that kid. If you're not I'm a Culkin. You. You're not a Culkin. You don't matter to me. Um, <laughs> hey, the Culkins have yeah. had a large enterprise on Hollywood for years. Yeah. They still do. Karen, Karen going strong these days. Yeah. Should win a um, damn Emmy at this point. You certainly should. You certainly should. Um... Yeah, I remember. Uh, so I remember seeing like Free Willy uh, in theaters when I was Hey-o. young. But I, I do remember seeing toys. The first Toy Story. Uh, you remember seeing the first really Toy Story in theaters? I remember huh? seeing it in theaters. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I lived on an Air Force base. Um, my dad was in the Air Force when I was younger, and so we lived on Air Force bases. And on Air Force bases, they would have one theater one screen that would play one movie yes. like two nights a week um yes. and it was like a dollar mm-hmm. and but the movie was like something that played in regular theaters like four months ago like it was something mm-hmm. that was already like well out of playing at regular theaters and i remember my dad taking me and my friend sam to go see toy story and it just, I mean, blowing my mind. Like, I, it just was something, like, I just loved every second of it. It burned into my brain. The, the, again, nightmares. I, the Little Martians gave me nightmares. Um, but more than that, of course. What, from The Claw? The Claw. They gave me, they were, I don't know, they were just weird to me. But the bigger nightmares, of course, Sid. That horrible, horrible boy and his. I agree. His creations. What a to the, what a creepy fucking looking things, right? Creepy things, and two like the the thing about it too is that they're so creepy that the thing burned into my brain into my brain for the longest time was that they were like villains, and it wasn't until I watched rewatched Toy Story like two years ago 
I, w I went into it, rewatching it, thinking like, oh, I remember those creepy things. Those things were, you know, the like villains. They were bad guys. I was surprised to then remember that they were actually good, you know, mm -hmm. and they they were good. And they all turned against Sid and everything. So I mean, th those things definitely one of the things that I remember like as a very young age seeing and just getting horrific, horrific, horrific nightmares for. Um, good movie though. <laughs> okay. Very good movie. So, I remember seeing. I remember seeing the film. I think it was like on a just on a VHS tape at home. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until Toy Story two that I started. I think I I remember seeing Toy Story two in theater. Yeah, mm -hmm. we'll Me talk too. about that. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Later. Well, so you know the first one. I mean, I guess I, the first one's kind of hard to to describe the plot because everybody knows it. But you know, as far as just what the letterbox plot description says, led by Woody. Andy's toys live happily in his room until Andy's birthday brings Buzz Lightyear onto the scene. Afraid of losing his place in Andy's heart, Woody plots against Buzz. But when Whoa. circumstances separate Buzz and Woody from their owner, the duo eventually learns to put aside their differences. That sounds wholesome to me. Let's uh, let's just kick off. I mean, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're, we're already this is already going longer than I was expecting it to, just based on trying to divvy out time to cover each one but no. let's just start this is a with four hour show baby talking about the first toy story what so what overall generally speaking what are your feelings watching toy story again now what what do you think about the first toy story how, how does it work for you Ooh, I, I feel it's so it's one of those films in history like we kind of talked about where it's so important to modern cinema to modern animation mm. to um a generation it's so important it means so many things i mean we don't have we don't have a we don't have pixar without this thing like that's yeah, the course. the number one thing like this movie they put it, their heart and soul into this they put everything into this. I mean, they were about to go bankrupt. Before yeah, this came they out. needed this to work. Yeah, and damn it, if it didn't, you know, <laughs> it 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 worked, and then some. Yeah. Um, I think the movie is good. It's good a movie. good movie. It's a good movie. Okay. It works. It works. But. Yep. Yeah. I don't think it is as emotionally rich thematic um as its predecessors become successors or successors i'm sorry because it is the predecessor to all that and it is the window dressing for this entire thing and i don't think that they were there yet they were i don't think that they i think they were just focused on let's make an entertaining great film about friendship i think that that's really you know a really also a movie about kind of just Setting aside your differences, working together, understanding that you you know you're not gonna always get what you want in this world. Like that, that's some pretty good stuff to tell kids, but it's not really the Pixar model. Like I think, really, honestly, the first true like Pixar movie that had something to say was Monsters Inc. Mm -hmm. I think that that movie really takes the idea of monsters and how we 
separate ourselves in how we are using scary things in our world to generate reactions out of children rather than by the end of that film joy and laughter and i feel like that movie for me as i was as i've watched it over the years it's really this this fascinating thing about how how we separate ourselves from others and how we're scared to sort of go into that like we're scaring humans in that film right so like us as human beings we're scared to reach across we're scared to discover something different go outside of our comfort zones really invest time into other people and that movie for me is is the growth and evolution of those two characters of um Mike and Sully, to me, I think it's fantastic. That's why it's like that movie is my favorite P. Doctor movie because also while being an entertaining movie, I think it's just like this really beautiful film that also, Mitchell, mind you, does the first thing that I think Pixar is known for, which is tugging on the heartstrings. This is a this is a, a commodity that gets slowly, you get slowly invested with these characters to the point in which you get emotionally invested. And that's what makes like the best movies. For me, in the first Toy Story, you don't really have a lot of emotional investment, not to the degree in which you're shedding tears. You're emotionally invested in these characters getting back home, for sure. But I don't think it's as like tugging on the heartstrings as like two, three, and obviously four are trying to be. The animation, obviously, too, is is the is of its time. And it, it is a it, it is a relic of its era that is not to diminish all the great work and achievement this is, but it is also like a okay, this movie looks like this, but then how these characters have looked ever since starts in two, like every ever since then, like it's the technology obviously in the studio has gotten bigger and it's gotten better over time, and for me, I think that Toy Story is just a simple little good movie that started it all it's important but just because you're important does not make in my opinion you're the best of your own franchise sure yeah 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 it is uh, yeah it's it's i think toy story one is the toughest one for me to separate from like what it means to me and that that idea of it being so ingrained in me where like my when i think of toy story as just like an overall franchise when i think of these characters the things that i immediately think about and like relate it to are from the first movie are like i think of sid and i think of pizza planet and i think of the martians and like all that kind of stuff and all the you know a buzz trying to fly and like actually flying um (laughs) and that first scene and like all that kind of stuff like that's where my brain like first goes to when i think of toy story and I, it makes sense because it's the first one and it's the one that's mm-hmm. just been with me the longest and I've, I'm sure I've seen it the most times out of all mm-hmm. of them. But it certainly at the same time does, like you said, it feels like them finding their footing and them putting this thing together that is so inventive technically that they wanted it to be kind of like a base level thing as far as the story and the themes and that's not to say that they're not strong there because they certainly are and it feels but it yeah it feels kind of like a stepping stone for what's going to come and where it it almost is like a um what's the word like a placemat 
that they can put everything else coming after it on top of. Like, it builds a foundation for what's going to come. And, I mean, it was such a gamble, too. Like, mm-hmm. you look at the budgets for these movies. Toy Story 1 had a $30 million budget. Toy Story 2 had a $90 million budget. And then the other two had $200 million budgets. And like Insane. Insane. Yeah, like, this, this one was this huge gamble that so few people believed in. Like... So many people, they tried to get Barbie in this movie and like Hasbro or I think it's Hasbro, whoever owns Barbie, like wouldn't let them do it because they thought this movie was going to be a bomb. Billy Crystal was approached to do the voice of Buzz Lightyear and he turned it down because he thought this movie was going to be a bomb and then he completely regretted it and then obviously was in Monsters, Inc. And that's that's the character that he should be and he should not be Buzz Lightyear. Mm -hmm. That would be a much worse movie. But it's just like, this thing in the industry where they were really trying to do this thing and you know the movie's directed by John Lasseter obviously John Lasseter not a great person um but he i mean he pushed so hard to make this happen and like so many people were telling him that it couldn't happen and you know i mean we've got to talk about all four of these movies so it you know i don't want to get into the backstory and like the production history of the first toy story but do it do Even it. if you just read like the Wikipedia of it, it is crazy how this movie and how Pixar like came to be. Like Lasseter was an animator at Disney, and he was so mm-hmm. adamant about wanting to make a computer-generated film, like a computer-generated animated movie, and he wanted to originally do it with the Brave Little Toaster. He wanted that to be mm-hmm. computer animated. And Disney shot him down completely. Uh, like fired him because they like his ideas were just like crazy and they like were like that's never gonna work like we're never gonna do that and then he went over to Pixar and was doing these things with Pixar where they were making these computer animated uh, short films and getting a lot of success with them uh, what was it Tiny Toy is the name of the short film that Toy Story is like mm-hmm. kind of loosely inspired by which came out in the late eighties won an Oscar for best animated short film. Mm-hmm. and started generating this buzz around Pixar, but then Pixar was going bankrupt, as we said, and they were you know, struggling with all this money stuff, but then Disney and Jeffrey Katzenberg at Disney wanted to get in on the Pixar game because they knew something was happening here, and they regretted letting Lasseter go, and they wanted to work with him in some aspect and get kind of their hands on that money bag that they knew was going to come, right? Yep. And... So they were, all these negotiations and backroom deals were happening where Disney was trying to get as much of their hands in the Pixar pockets as they could. And so they had like certain ownerships over it, the original Toy Story, and they were developing this movie. And Lasseter wanted it to be pretty much what it ultimately is. But when they were creating the story, Disney wanted it to be a completely different thing. They didn't mm-hmm. want it to be this like nice happy wholesome thing they wanted it to be darker and edgier and they wanted the characters basically to be like dicks like total assholes and which you get like a little bit of which i was gonna say you get a little bit of like that with woody you get a little bit of that with woody but and i think i mean part of you know we'll talk about the hanks of it all throughout this episode but like hanks being in there is part of how woody works so well and that's part of why lassiter cast him because he lassiter specifically cited a league of their own and how hanks was able to take this like douchebag of a character and still make him lovable 
and that's what he needed Woody to be. This guy who, I mean, st- the start of the movie with his jealousy over Buzz, he tries, he basically tries to murder Buzz. And yeah. we still... Which, I mean, then, to be fair, murdering Tim Allen, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not the worst thing I've heard today. sorry Mitchell sorry Mitchell this will be our last show (laughs) Tim Tim Allen is a very bad person and that's that's what we'll we'll, we'll say about that I don't Um, know you didn't say much to to the comment that I said sounds like uh, sounds like you're friends with Tim Allen so Woody Woody tries to kill Buzz and it's like we still then have to root for him like this is this is the hero of the movie and you get there because you you empathize with him still. You feel the frustration that he feels of feeling like he, you know, was the shining star. Yeah. And this new shiny thing comes in and pushes him out completely. And we all know what it feels like to be neglected mm-hmm. and to lose, like, love and to lose that feeling of feeling seen and valued and stuff. So it's like we still empathize with him. And then he, he regrets it immediately. He regrets this decision yep. that he makes to try to off-buzz immediately. But... It's too late because other people, you know, other these other toys ca- catch him in the act and they all turn against him. And so he sees all of his friends turn against him. And uh, to get back to the point that I was going down, though, is that he is an unlikable, like there are unlikable things about him. There is a nastiness to him, at least in these little flashes at the beginning. And sometimes throughout the series, he's still that comes out a little bit every now and then. But... Like, Disney wanted him to be a bad person, basically, like an asshole. And they <laughs> made the movie that way because Disney had such, like, a handle on Pixar at the time that they basically had to do what they wanted. And they screened the they screened the movie. The, like, first screening of the movie was, like, this notorious absolute disaster where the audience just completely hated it hated 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 it and their big note was that the characters were just so horrible like every single character was so horrible and the the big note coming out of that was like yeah this movie was terrible because you didn't let Lasseter make the movie that he wanted to make like his vision for it was completely torn so then they had to go back to the drawing board completely redo the movie I was reading this like interview with Hanks where he said that I mean, they basically had to go back in and redo their dialogue completely two times. They had to record the entire dialogue for the entire movie twice because they just redid the entire movie. And I mean, that's it's just wild to think about Toy Story, you know, this behemoth franchise with two billion dollar movies in the franchise it is the most successful animated franchise in film history there you go take that period despicable me suck on that minions you can't do it no you can't do it i don't care if rise of Gru makes (laughs) another gajillion amount of dollars it is the most successful in terms of commercial financial um, critical it's gotta be or you know all of it all of it yeah encompass it all a relevance relevance like, forwarding yeah, technology exactly. i mean social fuck. capital like everything like it is yeah toy story there is 
one thing that I wrote in my notes for the first one is like, it, this is one of those movies where it's just like a total game changer. Like you can specifically point to not only the world of cinema, the, but the world at large, you can point to before Toy Story and after Toy Story. And there is these demonstrative changes that happen in that switch, you know, I mean, and to think yeah. that it was so chaotic to try to get this off the ground like it's it's really a wild backstory and like just the production around it is really incredible that this movie even got made and it's still as much as there are the kind of rudimentary elements looking at it now rudimentary elements of the animation which was a complete miracle game changer when it came out when they did this but yeah looking at it now you see that dog um and comparing you know that now to toy story 4 it's like oh my god this looks like shit but (laughs) like at that i mean at the time like that was something totally unprecedented but it is that the story and the characters and just the entertainment value of it that still really holds up i had i still have so much fun watching it every time i watch it and it is because they put that for the first one especially they put that entertainment factor like first and foremost in what they were doing with the story they knew they weren't trying to do too much you know it's Mm -hmm. it's only like 80 minutes long it's the shortest pixar movie by far and it's it's just a wild ride it's like a fun road movie i saw them referencing like midnight run in kind of where they were conceptualizing it and i mean that's i think that's a perfect you know comparison with the relationship with woody and buzz and how we see those opposites clash and then come together and everything throughout the movie and it's just yeah it it really doesn't stop moving the entire time and it's it's really a fun movie but yeah then it's it's the next ones where they start to push in those different directions and find that emotionality that you're talking about for sure yeah you were talking there, Mitchell, beautifully, by the way. Thank you. About Mitchell. this. Yeah, you're welcome. I was talking a lot. And <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we're passionate about these movies. And as you were sitting there, I was kind of hearing you out on what you were saying about last time. I was like, okay, well, weirdly enough, then, if that's the case, like the story almost fits the backstory. Right. The movie yeah. almost feels like, okay. Someone was the king of the castle for a long, long time, Disney. They, a new shiny toy comes on the street in the industry, and they kick, they did kick Lasseter out, (laughs) then by the end, they totally regret it, so then what do they do? They work together to try to take over the industry, or to all come where? Buy that, All come home at Disney, right? So that's a real fascinating little thing here to kind of be like, oh, well. Seems like they might have gone a little meta with themselves there. Uh, but the other thing that I find um, also interesting is you're talking about this movie that was panned uh, initially from from the first screenings of it, from the test screenings, and then having to start from scratch, having so much money on the line, but yet coming out being such a cultural, impactful significance a moment, a watershed moment, like you said, that changes the scope of cinema. Yeah. Reminds me a lot of Star Wars. Sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. It reminds me of the fact that, like, the first Star Wars is a good movie. Yeah. But is it the best Star Wars movie in the franchise? I would not say so. No. 
you know, I mean, Phantom Menace, hands down, greatest thing we've ever. Phantom Menace, Rise of Skywalker, Attack of, <laughs> Attack of the Clones. I kind of like Attack of the Clones. Uh, we'll we'll get into it when we no, do the Hayden Christensen series. No. We'll we'll get into it when we do the. Hayden I Christensen would love to do series. a Shattered Glass episode. To be honest with you, like that movie I, is fucking what can we amazing. Do? Peter Sar Peter Sarsgaard. Sarsgaard, yeah. Oh, Steve Zahn, do a Steve Zahn series. Honestly, Steve Zahn series would be amazing. I love Steve Zahn. He's been in so much. It's ridiculous. And it, his, he's got. I mean, one of the most versatile actors out there. He is yeah. underrated for his versatility. Great actor. For sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, it just reminds me of that. And, and yeah. I think that the Hanks of it all, it's really interesting because like he is America's like good boy and he's, he's building this, um, persona. And this is the same year as the last film we did. If I'm not mistaken, the same year as Apollo, Apollo 11 yeah. or Apollo 13. Ooh. Why did I say Apollo 11? <laughs> Sorry. We've got all these very different all, movie. <laughs> there's so many. So many Apollo movies now. Uh, there's a ten and a half now. They there's can't a ten like and they. Now, yeah. There's a ten and a half. Uh, there's gonna be a next year. It'll be like a Harry Potter Apollo crossover. It'll be like nine and three quarters. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good mean? joke. That's a good uh, joke. They, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, no, I. It it is interesting that, that he does have to play. I think a little bit against type, but it also too reminds sure. us like back to when we were talking about him early in his career, right? When he was playing characters that were lovable and yet they weren't the one hundred percent most yeah the burbs, people. Good yeah example. the burbs yeah. or a little bit of like Jimmy Dugan, you know, and how he's kind of a dick at first, and yeah. um, you know, you know, and you and using that high pitched voice. That he has up there, right? That uh, that is that was a lot in like Splash and, and Big and stuff like that early on, and yet it's this is what he's known for. Like yeah. for me, this when I think of Tom Hanks, that's I think yeah, of, that's I think thing, of Woody. That's the thing too is like as much as we can associate him with iconic roles plenty of which you know we've covered and are going to it's probably like this or forrest gump right it's, it's really this and forrest gump i think are the ones that i was thinking are like the ones that you most connect hanks with but then yes yeah, certainly his voice like it's it's gotta be woody i mean that that voice is just so rooted in everything and those lines i mean there's a snake in my boot like people know that line he did this whole movie Saved Buzz, went back home and everything, with a snake in his boot. With a snake in his boot. There was a people. snake in my boot. Can I tell you a funny story about this real quick? I know this. Yeah. I know I, we've got a lot of stories probably about it's about totally these movies. Fine. But so when this so when this movie came out, I was a I was a small kid. You were a small kid. Everything and like the Toy Story toys, right? Were the most obsessive fucking thing that anyone wanted for christmas because the movie comes out in november so of course it's perfectly yeah. right in time for christmas almost right? as if they planned it that way almost as if like they're a mass media machine <laughs> almost as if, like they know that parents are fucked right so i really wanted woody for christmas and i wanted uh I wanted one that that talked, where you pull the string and it talked. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And the, the, it's Reach snake in my sky. sky. 
all this town ain't big enough for the two of us. And, you know, and there's a snake in my boot and all that stuff, right? So my dad was trying to find it. And he went to like six or seven stores. And my dad, <laughs> to this day, says, you'd be so lucky that you got it. Because it was one of the most humiliating things I had to ever do when I had to walk around every Kmart or Walmart or Target or whatever and go, hey, do you guys have any uh, talking woodies around here? You know what I mean? <laughs> and they're like, sir? No. Yeah, a talking woody, you know? You know I like, feel like he could have phrased that a different <laughs> he way. He could have phrased it. But, and that's what I say. I said, you couldn't have phrased it like you're like, do you have a talking dildo around here or something like that? Like, what the hell's wrong with you? And you yet. The cowboy from Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, the cowboy from Toy Story, that movie, you know? I'm like, do you have like a, a talking dick? You know what I mean? Just like hanging around. Flopping around from place to place there at fucking Walmart or whatever. You know what I mean? And so I always find that like <laughs> with this this movie, I'm always just like, I always read I always, when they do the hold it and use the whenever Woody uses the the oh, yeah, the, the, string, the, the string or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that fucking guy with that fucking there's a snake in my boot and shit like that. I always think of the talking wooden thing. My dad had to do that. But like yeah. no, I I remember the I remember the the toys. I remember yeah. the the I, I think McDonald's had a promotion at the time with uh, with Disney, so there was like toys there, but also cups and glasses. Oh god, like drinking the glasses. Cups, you, the glasses. Remember the fucking cups and glasses that that McDonald's would do? Like remember when they were cool? Now they're just like yeah. assholes, and they don't give you anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um. Like There's Mondo's. a thing going around. Have you did you see this thing going around recently on online about like a I think it's like a Garfield like glass cup from McDonald's from like the 90s or something and it's like a very specific one and apparently it has like I don't know Sam was telling me about it. It has like I don't know microplastics or something in it and like people have been like getting sick from it or something and it's like oh, a whole thing. Wonderful. So the next <laughs> pandemic is a fucking Garfield glass. It's like Garfield glass. Oh my god, poor! Yeah, I, I mean, I I was psyched. I was so stoked. Oh, well, you hate to get that on a when I was a, when I was a kid. I was like, "Give really? me those microplastics." Well, you would hate to get that on a Monday. You know what I mean? True. Yeah. Put it in your lasagna. I was, damn it! Damn it! <laughs> I was so close to say that. Uh, no, for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. Um, Toy Story one, good movie. Good and movie. Move on to the next You're one. Slide into two here. All right, so. Toy Story. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We didn't we didn't talk about that in Toy Story One. One of the most iconic songs in film history. I don't think we need to talk about the song. We didn't talk about it. I think we've got plenty of occasion to talk about the song because it shows up in every single one. I don't know. I mean it's Randy Newman. Right? You can you, you can go ahead. You got a friend in me. There we go. You got a friend in me. I bet it's not bad. It's it's a good it's a good impression. I just it's not bad. I've heard it a lot before we started recording. Don't remember what Joe pal said, cause I you got a friend in me. Toy now for short now, now for short people. Oh uh, wait, <laughs> not gonna sing that. You know no you don't know that song. All right, you've got some homework to do after this. Go listen to Randy Newman's Short People, everyone. It is one of the worst songs 
in music history. It's literally the the the, the lyrics go: terrible. "Short people got no reason to live." Is that true? Would I lie to you? That's that sounds terrible. Yeah, that's this guy singing for our guess, childhood. I'm, I'm gonna think about that every single time that I hear that other one, which we hear. Welcome to the club. This whole franchise. Welcome to the club. Toy Story 2 releases <laughs> November 24th, 1999. They liked that Thanksgiving day. It worked well for the first time. They went back to that well again. The synopsis for Toy Story 2, Andy heads off to cowboy camp, leaving his Whoa. toys to their own devices. Things shift into high gear when an obsessive toy collector named Al McQuiggan, owner of Al's toy barn, kidnaps Woody. Andy's toys mount a daring rescue mission. Buzz Lightyear meets his match, and Woody has to decide where he and his heart truly belong. So we were talking, you know, Pixar, an interesting place. Toy Story, a huge smash. They go into a Bug's Life after that, and then after a Bug's Life, they go right back to the well for Toy Story 2. It's very interesting, which we'll see throughout, you know, the kind of talking about the other films in the whole franchise is they they really hit on the toy story well quite a bit they were doing the sequels but they weren't doing any other sequels for a while it was but it was really they knew they had a good thing going with toy story they wanted to come right back to it get more of that money going but i mean toy story 2 another huge hit came out in the year 1999 one of the most iconic beloved years in cinema history and this is often you know considered one of the very best of this year what so you were talking about you know the first toy story kind of being good but not hitting the emotional places that the series would go to to go on to what are your feelings on toy story 2 man toy story 2 coming out in the year 1999 they did it just absolutely what a banger year Right, mm-hmm. a year in which, like, I mean, you got like The Insider. That's a good movie. You got The Matrix. You got this one. You've got Virgin Suicides. You got Magnolia. You got Being John Malkovich. All about my mother. Talented Mr. Ripley. Eyes wide shut. There's a whole podcast just dedicated to 1999. Really? Yeah. You know, listen to that. No, I didn't know that. Podcast like it, and they just uh, they did a whole like years of covering 1999 films, uh, one hmm. one film per episode. It's I mean it's a great podcast. Check it out. Hmm. Recommendation they, podcast. Do they like have it. a Ratcatcher episode? I don't know if they. I, I'm sure they must have. I think they only have like a few movies that they haven't done, or maybe they're already done with 1999. They've been doing 2009 episodes now, so I think they probably finished Ooh. 99 and are on to 2009. So they might they probably talked about. Catcher. They probably talked about the Mummy. 1999's Mummy. Of course, yeah. I think I think they covered pretty much every movie that was released. The sexiest movie alive. The Mummy, bisexual, bisexual, you know, revolution. The you Mummy. Have no idea. Oh, uh, maybe you do. Um, I, do, I very much you, do. You very much do. Um, but Toy Story 2. Also bisexual revolution. Toy Story I was going to, I didn't want to make the joke, <laughs> but you did. I, you did. I didn't want to do it. Um, that prospector though. 
Oh, Prospector P. Such a snack. What a a tease. Um, Yeah. I don't want to call. He's in that box. I just want to get in that box. I don't want to call Kelsey Grammer a tease or anything like that. Okay. Like, weirdly enough, a lot of these villains don't age well Um, uh, in terms of their personality uh, of who those people are. Anyway, um, I will say this about Toy Story 2. This is the first one I saw in theaters. I remember seeing it. And with my mom, my mom took me to see this one. It was at a brand new theater by our house that had opened up. It was like the big new multiplex. Mm-hmm. And she, 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 I don't know if your parents ever did this to you, but she took me out of school. Because that happened it, to me sometimes. My yeah. dad took me out of school to see the the 2005 movie Waiting, starring Ryan Reynolds and uh, Dink. <laughs> He took me out of school so that we could go see that movie in the theaters. This was, wow. this, for the record, this was during the period soon after my parents' divorce where my dad was not living with us anymore. So I think he was just looking for anything. anything? Yeah, anything. My but dad did the me. same. My dad did the same thing. He did, he did that for Shrek. Yeah. And I The Incredibles. Makes more sense than, than waiting. I remember he took, I remember he took me out of school because we were, I was like Dynasty Shrek. Mm-hmm. And we went and this was like on a Friday and it was... It's like two thirty in the afternoon on the day it came out, and nobody was in the theater because yeah, everybody, I mean, of course, was at school. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's the, the thrill of seeing a movie during school hours when you're a kid nowadays, especially it's like, it's Shrek. Yeah. I mean, now we've had a Shrekassance lately. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah we've had a Shrekassance. It's true. Music Box is playing Shrek right or like coming up. They do you see that thing on Twitter? They got like the marquee, the showtimes for uh, Music Box in Chicago. It's like men, 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 Shrek. That's their show. <laughs> that's their showings for the day. That like men comes out. Men, 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 men. They men, 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 Shrek. Shrek. Yeah, yeah. Thank there you go. You um, mom, your mom took you out of school to see Toy Story too. And I remember. I remember. I got a. I got popcorn and a drink and I got candy and I was like, I was like a fucking kid on cloud nine. All right. Truly. I sat down and I watched this movie and I can tell you this. Okay. Um, it fucking blew me away. Blew me away. I was like, holy shit. One. You're a kid at that time. I think I'm seven years old. You're probably, what, like eight or nine-ish? nine, yeah. And so, like, I I literally was watching this movie, and I was sitting there going, how can they do this? Like, how? Who let them do this? Who let them do this fucking amazing movie? I I... I think it was the one of the first times ever I cried in a movie theater. Yeah, I think this was a big first cry for a lot of people. Big so first many movie people cry for a lot of people. It's the fucking Jesse sequence. It's the Jesse sequence. It's one of the greatest sequences ever put in cinema history. Like that I'm is, not even joking. It's when we talk so about like Pixar hitting those emotional heartstrings, like watching. Um, the Jesse sequence watching it this time, it totally reminded me of the opening of Up. Like, I, I haven't seen this movie yeah. in so long, but it's like this perfect distillation, this little short film that comes up is obviously the beginning. Toy Story 2 with Jesse, it's like the middle of the film Which where we perfect. see her backstory. And it really is just like, I mean, that's, that's crushing. Yeah. Totally crushing. Wait, who did Up? Uh, Doctor, right? 
Yeah, so he's just ripping off other people again. Okay, anyway, <laughs> and just just wanted to clarify. Um, so nice reference there, Mitchell. Uh, one more feather to. I feel like cup. you set. I feel like you set me up with that one. You knew. You knew when you asked the question. Maybe I, I did. I didn't know hundred percent when, when you asked. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, no, I will say this is the, that that's it. and then see you know that's the thing is people are going like oh the Jesse sequence like that's what the movie has like for me. I think Buzz, and this is what I've always thought, I thought Buzz works so much better with the rest of the bunch rather than just being with Woody because I think Woody can go and do other things. Like Woody is such a a unique vessel for so many other characters to come in. Just like he was in the first film for Buzz, he gets to be this with Jesse and Bullseye. And I think that what's so great about that whole thing of, of, of him getting stolen, right? Woody getting stolen and taken away is you really get like the flourishes of even more of that expansive storytelling that they've wanted to to do, which is, okay, Andy's gone. What are these toys going to do in this time period? Oh, they have to go rescue their best friend. So it's really, this is the great thing about this series is this like, they do get to have the Barbie of it all inside here, which is kind of insane, but kind of cool. Yeah. And that's a great bit. They get to, they get to do this whole meta thing and, and really go into the, the iconography and world building of what Buzz and Starfleet Command and Zerg and all that stuff, which is real, hilarious. Real, all very real things that happen in real life, as we exactly. will soon see. That's Gary Sinise. Um, and <laughs> and um, But no, that, that was really great. But I think the stuff in this movie that is just as really beautiful and what we'll talk about later in three and four is Woody's evolution in this film, his understanding of who he is as an entity, as a product, as a, as a, as a, not as a toy and his history and Pixar's ability to take the past of what Sunday morning cartoons and Westerns and puppetry uh, adding in like the the dramatic flair with that with that beautiful score, having it then flow into the fact that this interesting dichotomy of having to look inside and realize is the toy important enough just to the one child, or is it important enough to an entire childhood, an entire generation an entire world and it's really i think in a lot of ways as i've grown older it's pixar examining themselves and really examining what woody and buzz and these toys that they've created and looking at themselves and saying okay are these movies for an entire generation and are we supposed to branch this thing out beyond just the scope of you know, one kid touch one heart and one kid at a time, or is it supposed to be this brandification or can we live in a realm where we can have both of those? And I really think that that's what this movie does. And it does so eloquently. It's like, it's a weird meta commentary about that, but then it's, it's a historical document really even about Disney too. And you know, like, cause Woody's roundup reminds you a lot of like Mickey mouse yeah, in yeah, a of sense course. of that too. And, mm. And how everything gets put up at a certain point in a museum, gets put up on a plaque, and gets forgotten about in time. But 
for this generation, that's not going to ever be the case. And Andy, by the end of the film, realizing, like, I don't know what I'm going to be without Woody. And realizing that, like, Woody is everything to me. It's completely devastating. Because it's them laying the seeds for what is to come again. And here's the problem is we never thought beyond one that they would go to two. Yeah. So now when we have all four of these together, you these are some smart motherfuckers. They really are smart because they are laying the groundwork emotionally for you to, to get them. And Mitchell, you mentioned us doubting them for so many years when it comes to I remember as a kid or as we'll talk about it in the next one with three and, and even with four doubting that these were going to be good scared worried and I think it's because we did exactly what this film wanted us to we got invested with these toys yeah. and we never really and sometimes we we had our own or whatnot or we kept them or you and I, we all wrote our names down at the bottom of our Woody dolls and our and our Buzz dolls and everything, just like the film. But really, it's Hanks, it's Alan, it's these characters. They are the reason why we love this franchise. And so they are our toys. And it's just so beautiful. And it's so much fun. And Joan Cusack is extraordinary. Is fucking Jesse and Bullseye is the most adorable fucking thing on the planet. You just want to fucking give Bullseye a hug and right like the wind, Bullseye. It's such a fucking great thing. Sure, I don't think Bullseye toys as fast as a fucking plane, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's an imagination thing at, at its we finest. And we don't know. You never know. What? He's, he's got to ride like let the wind. Ask, let me ask you this question that bothers me every single time about Toy Story 2. Why Why can't Bullseye talk? That's a fair question. <laughs> That's a fair question. Why, it, it, always, it really bothers me. It bothers me every single time. Why would he not be able to talk? What would Bullseye sound like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um... William H. Macy. <laughs> oh. I'm a fan cast. William H. Macy is Bullseye. The voice of Bullseye. That's an interesting one. I felt it would be more youthful, but okay. <laughs> That's fair. I don't know why he doesn't speak. It's it's It bothers me. but It doesn't yeah. bother me. He's just too adorable. Yeah, I mean, he you is, know what it is? That's your new toy. Is what it's supposed to be. That's, that's your new toy thing. for the it's, for the, all the little kids. Bullseye you know I mean? is the the dog of Toy mm-hmm. Story. You know, he is the the pet. Even though we already have a dog in Slinky, but that dog you know. talks, and it's so why can't Bullseye? <laughs> <laughs> is it every? Have we? We have yet to meet a character in this universe, right? That doesn't talk outside of Bullseye, right? I feel like there's even in like, three there, there and might, four. There might be like a like maybe the, other than the like baby, the big baby. I was gonna say the baby, the the Gabby Gabby's three. baby in four, and that's four. No, or well, no. yeah, the ventriloquist dolls, the ventriloquist dolls in four, and the, then the baby the, in three. The, the baby in three, yeah, with yeah. Lots, so yeah, so there is like some, but like a, a main character like Bullseye, and like is he a main character? He's main enough. Yeah, he's main enough. I guess he's yeah, got a right. main because he's a horse. God damn it. <laughs> God damn but it. Yeah, 
I think part of the part of what's so wonderful about two and you know we'll see with three and four as well is that they as you were you know touching on there they take the characters that we know and love they let us have our time with them but they keep introducing these new characters that are just as wonderful and exciting and we root for them so like jesse i mean toy story 2 really the heart of toy story 2 to me is always jesse and mm-hmm. us getting to meet that character and she has you know such a really touching arc in the movie where at first when Woody's talking about wanting to go home back to Andy and escape and not go with Jesse and the prospector and Bullseye and so they're gonna go, you know inevitably go back into the box and Jesse having her her trauma from being left behind um, and her just trying to convince Woody that that's going to happen to him and all that kind of stuff. Like she has such a beautiful arc where she like rediscovers her own passion for being a toy and having that connection with somebody. And she like Woody creates that in her. And we see throughout the series, Woody, his passion and his, you know, belief in life and his belief in purpose and what building that kind of connection and relationship with somebody can do to you like he 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 really is inspiring to all these people we see it with buzz in the first one with him getting buzz to understand that he's a toy and what the beauty is in being a toy and he reawakens that in jesse obviously with forky and you know the fourth movie that's a huge thing and seeing woody's arc throughout the four movies as you were saying like that's that's one of the thrills i think of watching all four of these movies is watching this movie and seeing woody fighting so hard to get back to andy because he thinks that his his only purpose is to be with andy and to be locked into that one connection and that one relationship and that's like his only reason for being is his devotion to andy and it's almost sad in a way to see him putting so much of his own self-worth and value into this one other person it's like a codependent relationship really Mm -hmm. but watch it so watching two now knowing where four especially goes it's really striking to see kind of these films as pieces in this overall arc like the series of it all and knowing where that arc's eventually going to take Woody and all of these characters. It, it's a really, it was really a thrill of getting to go through these these movies. I think. Oh yeah, I mean, oh my god, that Sarah McLaughlin song! Holy shit, what a song! Sorry, Randy Newman, but like, fucking hell, like. Rand, I mean, I've learned some things about Randy Newman over the last uh, hour and a half of recording. <laughs> Really changed your opinion on it, huh? <laughs> I was. I'm taking down all my Randy stands. I'm all my Randy posters. I'm selling. I'm selling the records. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, there you go. Just sent you sent you those. You can read those later. Yeah, you a boy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but while you're looking at that, um, I I I just want to say too. I think that this also was the start of the great villains that we have yeah in this mm-hmm. series i think prospector pete so good so good kelsey Grammer, say what you want about the guy he's 
pretty damn good here. And he's, it's a fantastic performance. Uh, then a uh, shout out to, what is it? Like the, the, the guy who fixes Woody, who is the former, he's like, oh, it's yeah. like the chess guy, right? From, from like, isn't it right? If I'm not mistaken from like the short about the guy yeah, playing yeah. chess, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, um, that sequence fucking great. Beautiful. So fucking beautiful. Like that is another like little bit of up, you know, where it's like, mm-hmm. Where it's just music and it's just it's These little, just taking like, short films, and little vignettes, yeah. little little moments that are attached themselves in there, you know, mm-hmm. for the for the Woody stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, and really just um, great. I love that Rex is playing video games and getting very yeah. addicted to it, which yeah, is a thing of the time. These flour- yeah, yeah, the, yeah, video games really popping off at this time. Um, yeah, I think it's. I mean, we'll get to it, but, like, in 3, seeing Andy just using a laptop is, like, mm-hmm. fascinating in 3, like, him just being on a laptop and, like, thinking of, like, conceptualizing that within, like, the first Toy Story when, like, you know, he, there's no, the laptops even exist, and I, I'm sure they did in 1995, but, like, certainly not, they're not in a home where, uh, yeah. you know, 18, 17-year-old boy is using a laptop in his room, like, it's f- so fun to see yeah, those kind of things of like technology evolving and these characters existing in the the world as it's evolving, as they're staying very much the same in so many ways. And they're, yeah. I mean, you think of Woody. Woody is from the '50s, like he's an antique at this point, basically. But yeah, seeing kind it's of like the his world mom's evolving around him. It's like his dad's toys, right? If I'm not mistaken, like the origin of Woody being Andy's toys is it's not even like. It's not Woody is not even like his his original toy. It's like yeah. his father's toy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Woody Woody is part of like it's hand me down because obviously uh, Andy doesn't have a father in the film because he's um, mur- he died or or he walked out. Like that's Woody the origin of that him. is. And Woody murdered him, like, clearly, yeah. like, he tried to kill Buzz, you know what I mean? Randy Newman did it, you know, somebody did it. Uh, you'll never know. Randy Newman, uh, not a good guy, apparently. Not like, a good guy. I wouldn't guy. put it past him. Yeah, wouldn't put it past him. Killed him with a piano, flying piano. You hate to see a flying piano uh, nowadays. Happen, hate to see it happen, but they're, you know, just well, like the Looney watch, Tunes. Be careful. I, mean, I watch there. Looney Tunes, They that's real. Those, you know, just they're real. Looney Tunes... Uh, just like Buzz Lightyear, based on just based on real events. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how rabbits always are. Um, but no, I, I, for me, also, what's interesting too is it's going back to like the Andy of it all because Andy is clearly a representation for for us as a generation, and the fact that like Andy goes home, goes away from home. It's the first time he's away from home. It's the first time. What he's is from Cowboy Camp? How? Who's going to cow? What? cowboy camps are out there i don't i think it's just like a reference for like camp in general i mean like i i know i know that well i was a part of a camp i went to camp when i was a kid no just regular regular summer camp but it was away from home for an entire week sam went to sam uh, went to camp when when they were a kid i never i never was a camp person um but well like camp didn't mean like we all slept outside uh, in a tent or whatever. No, no, no. Yeah, these were cabins with air conditioning. You know what I mean? And, uh, and three meals a day. All you could eat at those meals, uh, which 
Thank you. All you can eat at camp. I mean, you could eat whatever you want. Yeah. Whatever they served, you can have as bark. much as you want of it. Yeah. See a lot of bark. We had no, we had like uh lasagna and enchiladas and burgers and uh chicken sandwich the chicken sandwiches were dynamite, I'm not gonna lie. Uh breakfast Shout was Shout out chicken sandwiches. Breakfasts were good, only except uh, they used uh, powdered eggs, and so powdered eggs are uh, disgusting. I've and, never heard uh, of powdered eggs. You never, ha- you've never heard of powdered eggs. I've, I've never heard of powdered eggs. Good, because you're never <laughs> gonna eat them, because uh, they're disgusting. They're basically like you make eggs with powder and water, and they're disgusting. Yeah, they have no, they have no flavor. They don't have any flavor. Well, eggs are expensive for like a, a, a summer camp. Summer camp. Filled with boys, because it was a boys only up top on the hilltop and below where at the Riverside camp, that was where the girls were at. And then Wednesday nights would be like the dance, like, you know, the younger boys would go to the Riverside and the older girls would come up to uh, hilltop. And uh, it was like a dance and that was Wednesday nights. And then like we'd have games or we do other things the other nights or whatever. It was fun. Learning a lot about camps here. It was fun. It was, hey. I I mean, I feel like I was missing out. You'll hear about a story about camp for the next one here, for the next movie here in a minute too. But yeah, no, I I, I remember that feeling too. Um, Later that summer and thinking back to the movie when I was at home, it's just like that dread of like, I'm not going to be around the things I know and my comfort. And it's scary. If I didn't have Woody, which would be a comfort for me, you know, then, or the things that I had brought with myself when I was a kid, I'd be wanting to get the fuck out of there immediately. So, yeah. because it's, it's terrifying when you're, when you're first ever gone by yourself away from home, you don't know anybody and you have to sort of rough it up. We yourself. see it. We see it again too with a uh, Bonnie and, Toy Story 4 with her, her yeah. first day at kindergarten and everything and how, you know, it is. And that's something that I like, too, about watching all four of them um, in such, like, close proximity to each other is seeing these, those, like, touchstones and these things that they kind of bring back, not necessarily in ways that feel repetitive or, like, redundant. Like, it feels like they're bringing them back to make a point of Mm -hmm. these being moments that are significant and these being kind of touchstones and seeing how the characters interact in different ways when they happen or, like, that kind of stuff. Um, It really... I mean, it speaks to those kind of universal ideas, like you're saying about, you know, you going to camp and, you know, being nervous about going away on your own. I remember that just from, like, going to, like, sleepovers at friend's house when I was a kid and being scared of, you know, going to a sleepover at a friend's house because I was going away from my home and just not at my home at the place that I feel safe and that being a scary thing. Yeah. No, for sure. I, to- I totally, totally agree with you. Yeah. But now it's time to move on to Toy Story 3, I think. All right. Let's go into Toy Story Three released June eighteenth, two thousand and ten, or about eleven years after Toy Story two. In Toy Story three, Woody, Buzz, and the rest of Andy's toys haven't been played with in years. We all know that feeling. With Andy about to go to college, the gang find themselves accidentally left at a nefarious daycare center. The toys must band together to escape and return home 
to Andy. Now this, very interestingly, 11 years passed between Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3, but this is still Pixar's only their second sequel after Toy Story 2. They haven't done sequels to any of their other movies, but they said, we're going to Toy Story 3 before touching anything else. They still, you know, um, between those two, Toy Story 2 was only their third movie, so this is kind of where they were really they really figured out their rhythm because after Toy Story 2, it was Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille, Wall-E, and then Up before Toy Story 3. Like that, I mean, that's a run. That's a run mm-hmm. for any studio to have. So they were really just in their packet when Toy Story 3 came out. And like you said, you know, people loved Toy Story 2 so much that maybe there was some hesitation with some people about whether toy story 3 was gonna work or not and then it came out and of course big success first first toy story movie to get nominated for best picture obviously aided by having the expanded lineup but Mm -hmm. i mean it got in there in a way that i'm even to this day i'm kind of surprised that the first toy story wasn't nominated for best picture because i feel like i mean beauty and the beast came out beauty and the beast got nominated and was animated so like well well mitchell that is a tale as old as time i've you know i've heard that Toy Story, the first Toy Story did get a special achievement Oscar for the groundbreaking yeah. animation stuff, but I got, I got my headphone cord caught on my arm there. It was just a weird <laughs> moment where like Mitchell almost like lost an arm <laughs> in the middle of this recording. Anyway, but, continue. I mean, Toy Story 3, huge success, a billion dollars, billion dollars at the box office. With a B. With a B. What give me you know let's let's run it down what what are your feelings about Toy Story three? Okay, so my other camp story. Here we go, camp back into the okay. camp. So that same camp, Crystal Lake, right? No, <laughs> sleepaway. Her, Herman's Sons Youth Camp. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. It's my first Shout job. Out. Shout out! Oh, counselor. I was a counselor. I got to go back. You got paid um, for that? I did get paid for that. Nice. I got night, uh, one night off a week. Ooh. Um, and I went to, And you know what? I <laughs> Not for the dance. <laughs> um, I got one night off a, uh, a week, and every night I would go and with a friend, and we would go, uh, we'd go to the small town that was near us, and we would go to the movies, and then we'd go eat Chinese food. And the That's Chinese a, food actually in that nice. small... And that small town was actually not that bad. So, which you would, you would think, you know, judge it at your own apparel. I used to, I used to live in a small town that had a Chinese food place, um, like within walking distance from my apartment. And I mean, it was really, really good. This in Harrington, Delaware, um, I was living in and I, Chinese food was amazing. I would go in there. I, orange chicken, orange chicken was my uh, Chinese food. Sesame chicken's my way. Sesame chicken's great too. And I would walk in there. uh, I became a regular. I would walk in and the people would go, orange chicken. And I would go, yep. And they they would know right away what my order was. They had their kid. uh, Was Was that before they knew that you you liked orange chicken or was that just because of the red hair? No, yeah. This was after. This was after they knew the order. They they saw me. They knew what to start getting prepared. They had their kid. Their kid was always there whenever I went in. He he was just um, like a young kid. Uh, uh-huh. Sitting at the table, like playing with uh, toys and stuff, and I would just hang out with the kid while they were making my food. It was a nice time. I miss them. That's him. great. That's great. That's great. I love that. I love. I love <laughs> you being called Orange Chicken. 
Keep going. This is great. Anyway, my story. Your camp story. Uh, um, So, yeah. So, in between these two films, I went to camp. I had an amazing time for like five years. You grow up, you get all the beads or whatever. And then, uh, then you get to go back and you apply for to be a CIT, a counselor in training. And there's a CIT one and a CIT two. And you come for uh, a week. And then afterwards, you become a junior counselor. And you're there for two weeks. And then when you become a counselor, you can stay all summer long if you want. Look at that. And so the year that Toy Story came out. Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3. Sorry. Yes. Toy Story 3. Um, it was Saturday night. And no different era. (laughs) Very smart, smart ass. Anyway, uh, no, it was a Saturday night and we didn't have anything to do there at the camp. Uh, Everybody was gone. The next wave of kids were coming Sunday morning. Uh, So we we decided we're all going to go to the movies. And it was about six or seven of us guys that were about. You know, 18 or about 17, about to be 18 years old, about to go to college, right? And uh, <laughs> I think you know what's about to happen. We all went into the movie theaters and we were like, oh, let's go see Toy Story. Like, why not? Like, wouldn't it be great if we all go saw Toy Story? And we were surrounded by a shit ton of kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> Obviously, we were. And yet, I think for the most of us, like, I was struggling so hard not to cry by the last 30 minutes of this movie. Sure. And then I started looking around. They were all crying. So I fucking let it out. (laughs) And I swear to God, this is the legacy of this movie is that this is one of those movies where my background right now is Woody saying goodbye to Andy. Yeah. And it is completely the end of an era. Because it is the sense of you growing up and realizing that your life is going to move on. These toys will forever have changed your life, made you the person that you are. But it is okay to let them go. It is okay to give them over to the next generation. It is okay to to evolve and it is okay to to go on to big and better things. In a lot of ways, it felt like at that moment, it was, Pixar was saying it is okay for this generation to grow up. Mm-hmm. And I, I think since then, they have made a lot of more grown-up movies yeah. for us. Um, but definitely so, I think it was like the next generation will find these movies to be cute and charming. But for you, you will be an adult by that point and you will be mature and they will speak to you in different ways. Like I think of... For a lot of people, that's like Soul or Turning Red or even something like Luca, which is another coming of age story. But still, you know, that movie speaks to almost, uh, you know, the coding of, a, of an LGBTQ, you know, friendship in there as well. So and then the good dinosaur is just about a good dinosaur. You know, what I kind of tell you. Dinosaur is good. Yeah, I do like the good dinosaur. I know I, people that's don't. One, that's maybe I, that and the cars are the ones that I haven't seen. I haven't seen any of the cars and I haven't seen a good dinosaur. I like, I like good dinosaur. Weirdly, um, this is, I mean, this is. I mean, bit, it's my I mean, weird take that I like good dinosaur more than Inside Out. 
That's interesting. I do really like Inside yeah. Out. Yeah, and nobody and everyone looks at me like I'm nuts, and it's like, well, you know, Good Dinosaur made me cry. There you go. More than Inside Out. Inside Out didn't make me cry. It didn't, it didn't you didn't cry me. about Bing Bong? It did not get me. I did not give a shit about Bing Bong, I'll say. I, I'm not even a defender of that movie, and I will tell you, Bing Bong is an amazing character because Richard Kind played it. Richard Kind, Richard Kind is great. Who is in Toy Story Three? Yes, he's fantastic. So, um, but yeah, I think that this movie was just like it is literally Pixar telling us it is okay. Yeah, and it is a beautiful movie too, and it also like scared the shit out of me because I thought they were gonna kill them. And I was like, you fucking asshole. I like never gone from the range of emotion of don't you dare fucking dare, don't you fucking dare to then uh, to then crying about that because it's like, OK, these bastards are fucking game enough. They're going to do it. Yeah. And then it doesn't happen. And then because they're holding hands, it's the most diabolical thing I think any movie has ever done in my lifetime is. Make me invest in these characters and like let them just like go together into the furnace and die, yeah. and then it saves them. And then what's worse is than what's even <laughs> worse is the ending because it's like oh shit they they got me again with with Andy riding away. And um, I just love the Bonnie character. I love the introduction of her. I love uh, I all love of Bonnie. Bonnie's other toys. Yeah. I love I love uh, the introduction of Michael Keaton. As Ken, who's fucking hilarious. This is before the the Kitasans that we've had over the last couple of years, um, before his Oscar nominations and being part of like three Best Picture winners this is, this, or whatever yeah, it is. Same the same year as uh, the other guys. This was like this was kind of the beginning of oh, Ke- Keaton's. Batman. The other guys, Keaton and other guys. Yeah, that, I literally I mean, that's, was. That's I think I think I talk about him once a week in that movie. Yeah. Somebody in my office was asking about. Uh, like why I was laughing at my desk with the music shuffle playing in the office when Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls was being played. Right, yeah. And I was just like, you got to watch the other guys to understand. We should we should know. do Keen. We should definitely do Keen. Oh, Keen would be great. Keen, because he's got, got all that stuff, and then career. he's like very interesting career. And then you do Jack Frost. Got to do Jack. Yeah. Got to do. Yeah. Ju- That's a big. Episode. You know that? What, what was it? Didn't he? I listened to an episode of Blank Check recently, and they said that. Clooney was originally supposed to do mm-hmm. Jack Frost and Rainey and was like, going to direct it. Yeah, yeah, and it's still the the Jack Frost is still like the look of it is still based on the design that they had from Clooney. Like it's like molded to like Yeah, it's terrifying. Like it's yeah. Te- yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. Let's yeah. call it like it is. It's terrifying. Yeah. So <laughs> um but yeah, this movie it's I think it was in my top five or top three again of, of that year and it's yeah it's fucking great and i and i don't watch it a lot though because it makes me very very emotional and it's and it i will cry on cue it's like um it's like that scene in lord of the rings uh where uh oh god it's in return of the king where they just have crowned aragon and he walks through the crowd and everything and he sees the hobbits you kneel oh, for shit. no one or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> uh i'm not gonna go any further than that because then it'll get me get me very sad because that is 
so fucking true and so fucking good and it's so unexpected in that moment and it's so arrogant though but anyway this is like perfect and you almost feel like as Woody is explaining this I mean as as Andy explaining this you feel like you are Woody right there and you feel for these characters and that the fact that he's explaining what these all these characters mean to us it, it's it's phenomenal this movie isn't fucking sane this movie, this movie doesn't and what's great about it too is it's like this is a lot of, this is a I think this one more than the others is is definitely more an ensemble piece um, sure. mm-hmm. because it's really all about all the toys like Hanks Every, everybody gets you know. <laughs> like their moments to shine in this movie I, yeah. I forgot about um, Mr. Potato Head being a tortilla during like part of it and like that <laughs> that whole sequence is so funny so fucking good Rickles is, is insane in these movies he's yeah. so good so fucking good uh, and then like but yeah like the Hanks of it all too like he's he's kind of tapping back into I think a little bit of like one ish range too you know what i mean and really trying to save those and it's the inverse right because they're like he's trying to save them yeah in this in this case rather like the, than them saying here yeah it's like i feel like one one and three kind of connect uh in a lot of ways with me i think and the fact that it's like woody being this like singular hero whereas like two and four are him having these more like philosophical like existential like crises within yeah. himself and like not mm-hmm. knowing like who he is and stuff whereas this one he is very like gung-ho about like we are you know toys we're all together where like andy's toys you know we, this is our purpose and everything and all of that and it's yeah it's, it, it makes me think of one and him kind of being in that position again but with that idea too i the the beginning of this movie is so sad to me because it's like him they all kind of know like it's it's almost like watching them reaching like old age where like they all yeah almost like know, they're about to die they all kind of know yeah. that they're about to like die and they're all just like woody and buzz know and they're just trying to like pep talk the other toys and be like hey it's all okay we're going to go into the attic and it's going to be great like that's not a thing to be terrified about the fact that we're all going to go into the attic and never be played with again like it's they're trying to like basically soften the blow for them of what's going to come and then yeah we see we see that journey that they go on where it then comes back down to that final act where we see them think that they're about to die and i i personally like i part of me never really got why people got so emotional about the incinerator thing because to me i was like they're not gonna kill like these toys like that's like absurd so like to me yeah we never also thought they'd make two sequels at that point like i'm like at that point you're just like what the fuck are they gonna do like like it's bleak for me bleak it was similar to watching like a Marvel movie where like I just felt like that they're not gonna kill like you know these heroes. I think that that's the thing is we're so invested in them that at that point you're like, oh my god! Like I I, I like I agree with you in logistical, yeah. like, Real, realistically, like realistically, I agree with you. There's yeah. no fucking way they're gonna kill them. I mean, it's it's Pixar. They're not that yeah. much of monsters. That would be crazy, but. <laughs> Yeah. But they had made movies that were dark, and they had made movies like 
Wally and 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 even you know like more adult ish like the Incredibles and like and Ratatouille and stuff like that and and literally Finding Nemo in the beginning of that movie starts off with a character's death sure. and the death of all those eggs and things of that nature so it's very serious from the get go Pixar's never been afraid to shy away from that stuff so of course in our mindset. We hadn't seen, in the modern context of things, Mitchell, we had not seen Pixar as they were constructed post two and one in a Toy Story film. And at that moment, they are their most vulnerable and their most desperate. And, I mean, if they would have done it, it would have been the most, like, I think we would have all blown our minds. I think it would have been insane. But we I think that that's the other thing, too, is we all believed it was going to happen, for the most part, because of the fact that we love these characters. And when you invest yourself into it, excuse me, logic gets thrown to the wind. Yeah. Well, that's – yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing for me is that, like, even – so watching it even this time, I, like, had the thought where they were going into that part of it where I was – remembering the first time that I saw the movie and remembering that confusion over people getting so emotional about that because I'm like, I mean, there's there's no, like, I don't feel any stakes here because there's no way that they're going to do anything. But watching it this time, I was like feeling that, thinking that, thinking that. And then when they start, when the toys all start putting their hands together and like holding hands and kind of connecting those hands together and it just you see like this like recognition of them of like to them they think that it is going to happen you know whether or not i think it's going to happen they fully believe it's going to happen and so we're seeing them accept death together Mm -hmm. and face it together and say to each other like we can't get out of this there's no way we can get out of this. So if this is the end, if we're all about to die, we're going to do it together with like the love that we have for each other. And I think that's, that's the thing that really got me this time that I didn't quite connect with the first time. Um, because maybe I was just going into it with like people had already been seen it, like seen it and been talking about it. So like I went in with this like hype of people being like, you're going to cry. It's the saddest thing ever. And so I saw it and was like, like it was, that's not that sad or whatever. But Watching it this time, that really got me because, and it really spoke to, I think, one of the things that is so powerful about these movies that I got more out of watching them all together than I think I ever did watching them individually. And that's this journey of, as much as Woody and the other characters will talk about wanting to you know, be played with and it's nice to be Andy's toys or Bonnie's toys or whatever it is really about the toys themselves as a family together and Mm -hmm. that's what we see in that scene is them like they are each other's family like they're that's you know Andy's nowhere to be found they're not thinking of Andy in that moment they are thinking about each other and just wanting to be with each other and you know share that kind of connection and that love with each other and that's that I mean that really got me this time it really the idea of the family of these toys and like this family that they've built together with each other is really beautiful. Yeah. Fucking Lotso. Son of a Lotso. bitch. So that's the thing too, is like the beginning of this movie, very sad. The end of the movie, very sad. And people really, for Toy Story 3, people really focus on the end of the movie. And I understand mm-hmm. why it's so emotional, but 
the whole middle section with I mean Lotto again we talk about a great villain I, yeah. Lotto is my I'll say it Lotto is my favorite villain in this franchise interesting like, interesting Lotto that that first scene Ned Beatty's performance and like that first scene with with him where like you just know something's off and yeah you just know he's a fucking used car salesman at that yeah point. exactly exactly very good yeah very very good like it's it's so it's so creepy in this very specific pointed mm. like perfect way and i did that drawl of ned Beatty is so good and him just walking why don't that, you come on in and him, i'll pour you some iced tea him walking you know with that I mean? cane i'm just like fucking just, that cane that fucking he's asshole so, he's so good and son of a bitch i, swear I mean to God. ken ken is amazing the the oh montage the montage of ken the like trying um, on the outfits trying on the outfits is that's that's the scene i mean that is like one of the best scenes in the franchise like that is absolutely Easily. hysterical so good Easily. and the the fact that the whole middle of the movie is just a prison break movie like that like it's genius yeah, it's the like, fucking yeah, it's the fucking great it's escape the great at escape. that it's point it's literally yeah. the great escape <laughs> yeah. like it's and like the idea that they just use that like conceptually the same way that the first movie is like a road movie and like mm-hmm. it's it's just i i love that so much about it and like it's such a thrill to watch that whole middle section of the movie because it is like watching a really great prison break movie with it these really bookends is. of these like really sad, you know, um, yeah, just ideas. Like it, it really, this one, I went into this watch, like, um, watch of all four of them thinking that the third one was my least favorite because it just was my least favorite from like when I saw it. Um, yeah. You've been, yeah. I, I not to out you or anything on your, your ratings of these, but these are, these were, uh, I was looking at your Pixar rankings. Yeah. The third, yeah, were, yeah. Third, third was kind of low. Um, third was definitely low. Like yeah. I was like, Whoa. Yeah. Cause I think, do you want to say what your rankings were before you watched them? And later, and then, and then say what you what they are later afterwards. Because like, I'm curious to see like where you are. Have they changed? They've they've definitely they've definitely changed for sure. Um, I think before watching them, I probably had it as one, four, two, three. Mm -hmm. They're very different now. Are yours the same as they were before? You know, we started doing these rewatches. If anything, it's solidified it. Okay, so we'll we'll do we'll do both of ours uh, at the end before before yeah. we close off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mine definitely very different now than what they were. <laughs> it's solidified uh, it, but it uh, it still hurts. It's tough. It's tough to rank. It's them. tough. These are tough movies to rank. They're very tough to rank. You know, why don't you rank your soul, or as Tracy Morgan would say, Sal? There you go. Better yeah, call Sal. Better call Sal. Better call Sal. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I agree with you. All of it is, is fantastic. Ned Betty is extraordinary in this film. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I know we said Bonnie too, but all the, the other characters. Like, I will say this about the Toy Story franchise. Introductions of characters, new characters. Every new character they've ever introduced has been quite honestly perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, I can never say that there's a new character. I like, I do not like that character. That's that's the thing about the. Isn't toys. is that right? Like, am yeah, I wrong I about, about that? Like, uh, no, I totally, I couldn't agree more. And that was like one of the things that was so thrilling about watching all four of them because, like, 
you see each because they don't overdo it they introduce like two or three like 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 two like main new characters and then some other like background characters like bonnie's uh toys you know at at her house uh in this one um and like but they all stand out they're all good they don't overpower you know the other characters in any kind of way and i can't think of any other franchise that really does that like every franchise inevitably has to introduce new characters for each movie to try and like make them stand out or whatever but for me so many franchises when they're introducing new characters in like subsequent sequels and whatever like i i'm just like i don't care about these characters like i just want to be with you know my original characters like let my original characters do their thing toy story it's partly because the new characters that they're creating and introducing are so exciting and compelling and entertaining and fun but also because they still have that balance of our original characters still feeling like they're getting their moments to shine. Mr. Potato Head with the tortilla. Like, that is is such a good, fun Son of a moment, bitch. you know? Son of a bitch. Thing. Like, I'm thinking about that right now. It's <laughs> fucking good. It's so, so fucking good. genius. And, like... God damn it. Yeah, the the opening... This is, this is the one with the opening sequence was, like, the, um, the like, train escape thing right fucking great and yeah fucking like, great having, so cinematic wide screen landscape yeah, i mean mm-hmm. just very cinematic taking it to like taking the ideas of two uh with the video game and everything and taking yeah. it to like the next level exactly of imagination and like getting right. getting the um the piggy bank ham like him being like the big bad villain and like that it's like him getting this like moment to shine too like everybody really gets gets at least you know a few moments and having oh by the way having having buster from two being young dog that like woody uses to like oh get so around, funny so to funny. now him being like a big older fat dog in yeah. a sense like in collapsing this, on the side so fucking funny. brilliant so funny brilliant yeah mm, so good smart movie. it's it, it i'm just it's such a smart movie smart that's movie. the thing it's like yes of course it's nominated for Best Picture because it's one of the best films of the year. Like, when does that ever happen? Like, it like that doesn't, it rarely exists in that in that realm, right? Where, like, uh, something like that can occur where, um, where, you know, the best film of the year is, is really the best animated film. And, and you know what? This is the thing that drives me nuts is that, like, this instinctiveness of that animated films are put in their own separate categories, just like foreign language films, just like documentaries. And it's like, we don't have like best narrative. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so yeah. I, and, and, and I think that the toy story films, why they're, they're so universally loved, why they're the only films to ever win from a franchise, multiple Oscars for best, animated feature and everyone was like oh it doesn't have to go to toy story Ford and, blah, 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 blah. and i remember sitting there going like yes it yeah does. it does because it's yeah. the fucking rules yeah. and also your other choices blow ass so like get out of here that nonsense like it's and also too they're universally loved people love them stop you know some people just like oh no it's gotta go to something different no it doesn't when you when you haven't when something hasn't broken the mold why not keep on celebrating it until it does? And pray God that they don't make a Toy Story fight. Because like I don't, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. But then again, 
That's I'll be said. there. That's I'll be said. there. Yeah. Be, yeah. Well, let's let's dive into let's get into our last one, Toy Story Four, a movie that when it was announced, people were furious. I was scared. So mad. So over Pixar. You know the the Pixar landscape between three and four so different than between two and three. So between three oh. and four, they were really just leaning on you know these sequels. It was Cars two, then Brave, then Monsters University, Inside Out, The Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory, Cars three, Coco, Incredibles two, and then this. So like we really were just seeing them kind of struggling to keep their mojo going they had big hits in there obviously inside out you know was a huge hit coco was a huge hit incredibles 2 people you know love but like people were a little bit like they just keep going back to the well they just keep doing these sequels now they weren't even doing sequels before now they're just doing sequels and then so toy story 4 gets announced especially after people's response to toy story 3 and feeling like that's the perfect end for it People were so mad that 4K. I felt like such a cash grab. And, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll see what we think of it. It came out June 21, 2019. The plot, Woody has always been confident about his place in the world and that his priority is taking care of his kid, whether that's Andy or Bonnie. But when Bonnie adds a reluctant new toy called Forky to her room, a road trip adventure alongside old and new friends will show Woody... How big the world can be for a toy. Mm-hmm. This is a very different Toy Story movie, I think. It is very much, this is like Woody's movie. This is all about Woody and kind of the struggles that he's going with. And we see this, it, it feels like the encapsulation of this arc for Woody. As we were talking about, you know, watching them all together like this. It feels like as much as that trilogy is kind of all tied together in a way, to me, four feels essential. It feels like a necessary part of this story. To me, without four, I feel like the journey would be kind of incomplete, especially Woody's journey. Like this, this really feels like, you know, the the story that needed to be told. But I don't know. How do you how do you feel about Toy Story four? Um, when I saw Toy Story 4, um, I was so conflicted by the trailer because I saw Forky in the trailer and I thought to myself, fucking hell, God damn it, they're going to ruin, they're going to ruin it with this weird, like, inanimate object and, and it's this, I don't know what the fuck they're doing and, and they don't need to, t- I, we were all like, it. they don't need to touch it, they got three, three was great, da 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 da. So I went in and I saw Story Story 4. I sat out in the theater. About 10 minutes I was a puddle. Yeah. The whole Bo Peep sequence. The so, oh my God, callback. Opening. The RC? RC? RC! RC being back. Oh, oh boy. my God. Love RC. He doesn't Miss, have a voice. I'm, there you go. Doesn't have a voice. There you he go. Doesn't have a voice. Um, RC being there. Um... The rain, the oh my god! Like, I, oh god! Even even watching it, I've seen this movie, and you know I've seen the ones that come after it. But watching it, watching four just now, 
after watching the other ones and just seeing the animation in for the rain it's, it's unbelievable it's the real it's the real way of the water if you know what i mean there we go there you go there we go you pack it in saying. pack it in sorry sorry, sorry jc Jim. yeah sorry mr cameron go back to the depths go back to the abyss where you belong um Jesus. but what he drew what 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 he said it was such disdain I just said it. Wouldn't he be happier down there? You damn well know if he could live down in the abyss of the ocean, he'd fucking do it. He likes those abysses. I'm surprised he didn't direct fucking Aquaman. Like, I swear to God. I know that that was the thing he did on Entourage Entourage, and everything, but he loves the sea so fucking much. Um, And it's huge. Surprising. Um, But no. It's just that that rain sequence is so beautiful and elegant. It's incredible. And, it's so cinematic. And it answers everything because that's the... I, I swear to God, fucking love Bo Peep. Bo is... What a great character in the first two films. And I was like, when she wasn't in Where was the she? Thir- when, when Annie Potts was not in, in the third film, I sat down and went, what the fuck, Pixar... I, that was a, always the thing. I was like, okay, why wasn't Annie Potts in there? And then Bo Peep coming back in this film. And the way they bring her back. The Genius. way they bring her back. Genius. The way they do all that is fantastic. I got to say. Yeah. My boy Forky is phenomenal. Tony Hale delivering one of the great performances in modern memory. He's so fucking funny. Literally the encapsulation of how we all feel, especially now during COVID times of trash. Trash. Um, literally memifying himself. I mean, Duke Boom. Duke by Keanu fucking Reeves. Keanu, this coming out like a month after John Wick three. It's like we mm. are literally living in as as horrible as times are this is we are lucky to be living in this moment of keanu reeves and then he's like and then he had uh always be my maybe too where he has Same that year. surprise yeah, yeah, yeah. cameo where i do not like that movie but that yeah, cameo it's, it's is kind of mad but he's he's fan but that he's cameo is fucking fire yeah you know i mean that's that meme there. that's the meme where he's kissing where he's doing yeah, the kiss. fucking... he's on the kisses so fucking good. Also, just like a weird curveball to have him in that movie. And then it's like, well, this is the best thing you've got going for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he was in one of the best movies of last year in Matrix uh, Resurrections. Hell so, yeah, he was. Fucking love that movie. Great movie. Um, but there's that. You get the, the reuniting of Key and Peele. Key and Peele are so right? funny in this. So fucking good. It's Duck so and Bunny. Funny. Yeah. I, but this really? Is a, I mean, this is a really, really fun. Honestly, like, pound for pound, I think this might be the funniest movie out of all Yeah, four it's of them. definitely like, the it's funniest. hilarious. I know some people get a little bit, like, upset about the whole, like, uh, buzz voice sort of thing. And, it, and, it, and they say it has, great. like, a... They have, like, a Buzz Lightyear problem in this movie. And I'm like, okay, sure. They've got, like, this one little problem in the film. Yeah. Of the bounty... Of other great things that you could talk about in this movie, he is the one problem. It's like, okay, sure, yeah. but really, that's the thing with that's the thing that this movie is saying is that this isn't 
like you were saying, Mitchell, one and three tie each other together and they tie the knot of that story where it's like, okay, we're going to end that. That's where the gang ends. This is where their story is, is, is of happiness is when they're with Bonnie yeah. and they have a second place to live. What about Woody? This what about Woody. the guy that was sitting there in front of the television looking at himself and wondering there's something bigger in this world than just Andy's toy room? Yeah. You know I mean, there's there's something bigger than just hanging with Buzz and these people. It's There's a lot more to that. And then that brings it to my favorite villain. But I don't even know if you can quantify her as a villain by the end. It's yeah. Gabby Gabby. Yeah. I think that it is such a wonderful subversion of expectations from your formula of you are setting her up as a villain. And then by the end... Woody's sacrifice is that of a second chance when this person really isn't that bad. Yeah. It's beautiful. And when Gabby is found by that child. Yeah. And you're just like, please, God, pick her up. And she does. It is soul crushing. It's almost to the level of like Jesse again. We're just like, fuck. Yeah. And then Woody makes the decision and i just gotta i gotta say this mitchell it's like woody is the most important probably character that we've all related to as children within our generation not just because of it being woody but it's also fucking tom hanks guiding us through our childhood yeah we are then adults by the time we see this he makes an ultimate adult decision to be able to go out there and do something selfless for the rest of his life, losing things and evolving and changing. It's fucking beautiful. And Hanks's performance, his vocal performance by the end of the film. It's almost like you could feel him saying goodbye as well. This this is the last one. There is no way. I'm sorry. I know that they will try to find it. Maybe I don't know. There's no because there is no Toy Story without Woody. There isn't like this Lightyear movie coming out. It doesn't I, tie into this. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but to sit there, I was like, you can't do a Toy Story property movie, whatever. Yeah. Without that cowboy. Yeah. Lightyear feels so desperate to me. It feels like we need money and we need it now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I mean, I, I also, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, we said it about three, or like, you know, most people said it about three, and then they did four, and four is amazing. Um, so it's like, I don't know, maybe they could find some way, but I just, I don't know. It's It's really hard to see how, because four is so incredible and it feels so much like this is the movie that needed to be the end of toy story and woody's journey and our journey with it and it really feels like it would be so damaging to do another one um it really i it's it's such a special movie yeah like those those ideas of individualism of kind of finding your own self and your own worth of accepting that maybe the life that you actually want the one that you like the the one you need isn't the one you always thought you wanted that kind of idea of losing your sense of purpose it's like that's something that's 
present throughout all of these films, but the first three kind of resolve those ideas with this idea of like, oh no, actually it's okay and you were wrong because like you weren't losing your sense of purpose and like your sense your sense of purpose is like your same old sense of self still exists. Like you you kind of get back to the place that you were at with that kind of idea of having your self worth be rooted in being you know somebody's toy and having that kind of like codependency and like connection with it and like that i mean that's you know valuable for the other characters too but toy story 4 i feel like it's so much more daring because it presents this concept of it of woody finding a whole new purpose instead and embracing it and like the bravery of pursuing that and like taking that making that decision which is so interesting because i feel like at like toy story 2 if he had gone with jesse and the prospector and bullseye and like gone to japan and everything that would have felt like such a betrayal of the character and of where we were at with the character and our understanding of this world like that would have felt so not correct but the end of toy story 4 when he makes the decision to stay with bo peep and to not go back with bonnie like that feels like that is the right decision for the movie to make and for him to make like that feels appropriate for it and it's really impressive that they were able to build a journey from toy story one where our understanding of this character was entirely devoted to andy and i'm andy's toy and we're andy's toys and we're toys and this is who we are and everything to to take us from that guy that we were introduced to and that we fell in love with to now toy story 4 where his ultimate decision is to not be somebody's toy anymore and to be out on his own and you know discovering himself and discovering the world like that's really impressive to have organically built us to that where we believe that that's the right decision and we believe that's the appropriate decision we believe that's the decision that he actually would make from our understanding of the character at that point it's so fucking um selfless yeah it's it's so just it's courageous it's it's so courageous it's so it's also just so woody yeah like woody is (laughs) woody is also like in a way it's 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 like a feeling it's like a it's like its own thing like to be woody to be this person it's not just about being the leader it's about making the right decision for the for the betterment of everyone involved yeah it's uh, about him... oh no 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 Go i was just gonna, i was just gonna say him putting the the sheriff badge on jesse like so beautiful <sighs> that's so great him like passing the torch to her in that way Fantastic. you're gonna make me cry <laughs> you're gonna make me cry god damn it mitchell you're gonna I'll make me you, cry the thing that the thing that gets me i mean the, you know what i mentioned earlier where bonnie going to kindergarten for the first day and just like being oh. so alone and like the, she's sitting at the table alone and the the boy comes over and she thinks that he's coming over to like play with her and introduce himself and he just grabs like all of the craft supplies and walks away oh, with i them. know and she is just so sad that makes me cry I've, I've only seen the movie twice i saw it in theaters and i saw it um this morning and it both times that makes me cry so much and again it's that thing that pixar is capable of doing where they just use like this like visual language and like our understanding of our own lives and like empathy and we just we immediately know what that feels like and what that character is feeling in that moment and it's uh, it's crushing it really is and i mean 
then she makes this toy. Yeah. And then you're having Forgy and Woody sort of doing their own road trip, right? Because yeah. they get lost mm-hmm. on the way. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's really about the two of them. And what's so crazy about this movie, too, is like, they don't really go too far. Right, yeah. Right? To catch up with everyone. But when they do it, you know, it's it's in this town. Yeah. And those poor parents having to fucking figure out that car in the RV. But, oh, God. but you know, Forky's such a great character. And it's such an idea of, like, what is the what is it to be a toy? Yeah. What is imagination? What is a toy in the B.I. of of a child? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Is the new shiny thing any different, any better, or any unique yeah. than the old hand-me-downs that are given to you? And what's also really crazy, too, is, like, just then Forky's attachment to Woody by the end of the film. Yeah. How, he's, how he buys into it as well. And his evolution, too, as a character. Yeah. From being just, like, a scared sort of almost baby and you know and and metamorphosizing into into an actual thing that wants to be there wants to understand experience its life it yeah. understands its purpose and everything and i think that that's so great i think tony hill like i said is phenomenal yeah he's great like it's it is the kind of character that without seeing a film you'd watch it in a trailer and go what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Are they on mushrooms? <laughs> and then you watch and you go, oh, that makes total, total sense. And Bo Peep, the sheep, they're all great. Yeah. I mean, the fucking ventriloquist dummies are fucking terrifying. That Yeah, that was a thing, too, that I I think in my like review when I first saw it on Letterboxd was saying, like, if I had seen this when I was a kid, those ventriloquist dolls would have given it would be me like the most intense nightmares. It'd be like it'd be like Sid's room all over again. Exactly, exactly. It, it's it's the exact same thing of just terrifying. But yeah, Forky, like I, yeah, Forky is like one of those things that just seems so dumb. But then you watch the movie and uh, like instantly you understand because of the circumstances in which he was made, you totally buy that this girl would have the strongest connection in the world to this little spork with some googly eyes on it because of what Mm. it meant for her when she made it and that connection that she built with it when she had literally nothing left. She had nothing, and she was so scared and alone, and that was her friend. And, like, yeah, I mean, they made it it work. They really did it. For sure. They, They did it, Joe. Uh no, they really did. And it's and it's it's almost crazy because like I do think people for the most part I think they're sort of mixed on this movie still or there's or it's it's mostly positive, but there are people that are like, No, it shouldn't have never exist. Yeah, there's and still think, the people who are like, It doesn't need to it didn't need to it's good. It's unnecessary. It, yeah, it doesn't exactly. deserve to need to be made, it doesn't justify its existence. No 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 no. Exactly. I think you made it's I think you've made the best case I've ever heard anyone other than myself say for its existence, which is like one in 
two and one and three work together in tandem to close one story and two and four yeah work together to close a story as well and you can feel that they wanted to tie all the loose ends they wanted to finish this thing off correctly to finish off the ideas of what woody truly is what he means to these characters um and then yeah it's also like a super fun time to watch yeah, these so these it's so entertaining and you're right it is bar none the funniest one of them all and it, it's it's the one that's Weirdly enough, it's for a, an old property, it's the one with the most, I think, imagination and taking risks, and they, yeah, not a, so and they're just trying to throw as much there to say like to justify it, and in doing so, it pretty much lands the entire time. Like, yeah. there's never a moment that feels wasted, yeah, and and it's all still in service of these wonderful characters yeah yeah the the dooku boom origin story is so funny the um and so poignant too and then the the key and peel the like fantasy sequences of their plans and then just like each of their plans just ends with them violently attacking people is like oh my god absolutely hysterical oh they are fantastic in this they're so good the the credits the the bits in the credits with them is Oh my god! I've so said funny. it for years, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again. Key and Peele, Oscar host. Let's do it. Why haven't we done it? Why it doesn't make we any. Done it? it makes so much fucking sense. These guys love movies. They have insane chemistry with each other. It's embarrassing how good they are in this movie. You it, it makes Liam Neeson in there for an appearance. Get Liam <laughs> Neeson in there with them. That is true. Come on. Well, yeah, well, there it is. Um, but uh, no, it's just this is just a. I mean, and I, I mean, it's a great movie, and it's so much fun. Yeah. Like, and and I don't know what do you think of Gabby Gabby, right? Yeah, I I, I haven't heard you talk about her. I I I yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think that you said it great. Like, it is such a subversion of it. There was a thing that I was thinking with. Gabby Gabby and with Duke Kaboom in this movie was seeing them as kind of like this metaphor for disability and how like society mm. treats, you know, disabled people like this idea of like this one thing doesn't work the way that we think that it's supposed to work and the way that, you know, it works for most people. And so immediately you're discarded and the like sense of loss and the sense of like outsiderness of that you know particularly as a disabled person i mean as a disabled person living in this pandemic right now where i'm not able to do so many things and not able to you know go out and leave my house and stuff and feeling really shut out by so much of society because of that like it really that was something that really hit me watching it this time in a way that i don't think it even necessarily hit me the first time that i saw it even though like obviously i've been disabled you know my whole life but um like it's yeah that really stood out to me this time and was really emotional and yeah the at the carnival her her arc is again the they build these amazing arcs for these characters within the framework of a film like completely new characters the jesse and two you know and us getting this whole start to finish arc of jesse and two and then we get it with Gabby Gabby in this one. Like, she is mm-hmm. presented as monster villain. And then 
empathetic villain and then a hero in her own way and this really courageous character who's just we see is just scared and sad and alone and just wants to be loved and yeah yeah, it's really yeah it's really poignant poignant stuff i think with her yeah no for sure yeah i agree you want to all right let's let's get to the big question then as we're as we're gonna wrap things up a little bit let's do our toy story ranking from let's go from from worst which is i think um you know i mean worst in a a sense right like i think we both (laughs) really like or love all four worst is a terrible term for this like worst is like we'll go from lowest least favorite least least favorite favorite favorite. Yeah, yeah yeah i guess so that's the best way um my least favorite is one yeah how to feel just it's yeah it's just i kind of mentioned it already and everything uh doesn't mean i hate this film it doesn't mean i don't like it i I still watch it a lot i respect the hell out of it my number three would be next would be four i do like four it's the one that i feel that will have the most growth on me over I will tell you the thing about four that does have something that the other films don't have. Two has the probably the first cry I've ever had in a theater, right? Mm-hmm. And three has a very memorable story of crying of, of me crying with all the people from camp, right? Four has a different story about me crying. Four has me crying in a movie theater for the last twenty five minutes of this movie. Having to collect myself, walk out of the theater, get to the car, and on the way home, finish the cry. Nice. There you go. That is something that doesn't really happen a lot. Like, I fucking lost it in the car. I was just like, oh, it was like, maybe it was my life. Maybe it's everything else going on. Um, but like, I was just a mess, yeah. an absolute mess after that movie. So, and, um, yeah, I, and all the, the comedy and everything that we said, it's, it's fantastic. I would say then my number two would actually be number three would be toy story three. And my favorite would be toy story two. Interesting. I think that that, that movie is ingrained into my brain of what a memorable experience that movie was. It's also so much, that movie is so much fun. It's a breeze. That movie is a breeze to watch. Like you could just put it on. You're like, fuck. Yeah, this is great. Like, I don't need to do anything else today. I just watched story story two and it's fantastic. The Jesse stuff. Uh, it's so wonderful. I think the plane sequence at the end, so much fun bullseyes introduction and everything. Um, you know, the the toy barn, fucking that that toy barn. The cones, then the co- with the, the cones. The cone sequence is so good, good with I the cones. Down, yeah, I definitely. When I was watching, I wrote down a note of like cone sequence, amazing. Really, really good. Yeah, all really of these movies stuff. have such good like set pieces in them, and that's definitely like, oh, the yeah. standout one from the second one. Is is that yep. cone sequence is so funny? Them learning how to, you know, also to the the barbie uh sort of showing them around the mm-hmm. toy barn and i'm a married spud i'm a married spud i'm a married spud like it's a great line it's a, it's just 
Um, and then them coming home with like fucking children or whatever and like you know the, yeah. the aliens become their kids it's yeah like, that's right. such a funny recurring bit this is potato dead it's so good oh so good what about um, you yeah for me so for me my fourth favorite is actually toy story 2 your your favorite is my fourth favorite um and I, I mean again it's just you know these are all good movies i think two is just the one that doesn't have as much of like a specific thing about it that makes it stand out as much for me um but i mean i love it i love jesse's arc i love i think jesse more than anything is the thing that i love about two um so then three for me would be that my third favorite would be toy story one which is is tough for me to put there as I said, it was my. I said it was my favorite, you know, before going through these rewatches. But mm-hmm. it really, it. I mean, everything that you said about it is true. It just has that special place in my heart too, because of you know, it is the one that I associate the most with what Toy Story is, uh, in my brain. And so my second favorite would be Toy Story Three, which was Whoa. very exciting and cool to kind of come around on that one more. But my my honestly my favorite with like a bullet like my favorite for sure is Toy Story four. I just think I love that. I think it's a genius movie. I love that. No, I'm not joking around. I love that because I love I do really love that movie too. Yeah, and it, it's a, a movie that movie. it is a movie. I think that like the more I rewatch it, the more I'm gonna enjoy it over the years. Yeah, it is, and it's so fucking funny it's yeah, so it's, fucking that's charming. the thing it's, it's so it's funny it's got everything it's the funniest one but it also is the one that i think is the most kind of philosophical it's the one that makes me think mm-hmm. the most about my own kind of place mm-hmm. in life in the world my own sense of self and yeah, yeah i mean i i think that you know people who think that it's inconsequential i don't know you know i feel bad for him I, f- I feel bad for him i guess they just don't get it, it yeah it's, it's their it's their taste it's the, it's whether their it's loss. whether it's right or wrong is <laughs> them it, it certainly know? is well do you want to i know this was a very long episode for for how we usually do them we covered four films i think we did a great job covering four films in mm-hmm. in one go did you want to wrap up with our usual game of uh you know, giving it, giving people a recommendation for a film from another actor in, I guess, any of these four movies. Oh, I didn't really think about it. Actually, being honest with you, um, well, I mean, besides watching all these four movies, which you should totally do that. I mean, that's uh, that's a given. Um, yeah, for Michael Keaton, why don't you all go watch Spotlight? There you go. Yeah. The entire, that's like the antithesis of this exercise. It's like, we just talked about four kids movies. So go watch a movie about what happened with the kids in the Catholic oh. church. Yeah. Uh, but it's still, it's one of the great movie. It is a great movie and he's fantastic. A very worthy best picture. Oh my God. So we I mean, it's no, it's no Mad Max Fury Road, but it's, but it's like my number sure. two movie that year. Yeah. And I was very happy. There's that scene. That Keaton has in the film. By the way, Michael Keaton, straight up one of my favorite actors on the planet. Good actor. Um, I know everybody doesn't like Trial of Chicago 7. I know they don't. I don't like 
But we at least can all agree that Michael Keaton is extraordinary in his two scenes in that movie. Good acting. He he's he's so good, and it's just like, okay, why wasn't he in this entire movie, Sork? And what did did you not know that you had Michael fucking Keaton with you? Like, I don't really particularly care a lot for the founder, but Keaton's great in something like the founder. Like he's there's uh what was it worth? They came out last year. Did you watch Worth? No, I didn't uh, he's, watch Worth. I've heard good things. I heard good things about it though. He's he's great. Moving, eh, it's not so much. Yeah. But like, no, in Spotlight, there's that scene. Everyone always does the one with the Ruffalo, where he and Ruffalo are yelling at each other. It's a yeah, fucking yeah. Oscar scene. That's what I want on the Oscar. But it's know. the one where the they knew and they let it happen. And I'll tell you when the story is ready. And blah 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 blah. blah right. Yeah, yeah. Very you know, very it's, much Tom McCarthy. Yeah, it's my it's Tom McCarthy basically like saying I can write all the president's men too, and it's like that yeah. movie's very quiet. What are it's, you doing? It's the one scene um. <laughs> that feels at odds with the rest of the movie. Yes, which plays yes. it more realistically and more clinically and more procedurally. It's the one scene that feels like it teeters into that theatricality that it does. The rest of the but movie I, is so refreshing for not. You know, it does, like but that. I do understand the frustrations of the scene. Though, of course, for sure, it, it also can. is, yeah, in the same way, it's like this like bottled up emotion that's been existing the entire movie, and it's the yeah. one moment where it gets let out. Yeah, and um, but it's the scene at the the bar, mm-hmm. the end with the with the 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 guy that works for the church or whatever. And he yeah, goes, yeah, is this how it worked? Some guy nudged on another guy in a bar, and yeah, you know, all this stuff got swept under a rug and everything. The way Keaton does that entire sequence is a fucking masterclass yeah. in acting. He's so good in that movie. I don't understand how he wasn't nominated for an Oscar for that one because he's so fucking good. And yeah. so, yes, I know it's a, it's a very tough watch for some people. It's a, it, it's not like I actually it, I, when I like Tom McCarthy as a, as a director, I think that he's made some really great interesting films like i really love the station agent i, I really love, love the visitor agent. i love the visitor like the visitor is one of my like those gems i found jenkins um, baby. You know, oh jenkins is so good in that movie but so i was very happy to see him get like embraced weirdly by the academy because it's like i don't think he'll ever be embraced ever again so it's just like perfect like snapshot of like okay you got your oscars now like don't ever come back to the table ever again except you're gonna make probably some decent little films every now and then um but just a really great film that uses michael keaton perfectly much like toy story 3 where he is given the best moments and he is as an actor just able to knock him out of the park on a consistent basis so yeah spotlight would be the one for me there you go for me i will shout out um you know tim allen is a garbage human being a very bad person but i will recommend a movie that is also made by a garbage human being named david named david mamet um david mamet also a very bad person but tim Mm. allen was in a david mamet movie called red belt that came out in 2008 that stars chuatel ajiafor is the main character um he's chuatel ajiafor plays uh like a jujitsu trainer who gets he's kind of down on his luck his gym is struggling his wife her family like promotes fights and they want him to get in the ring and do fights and you know make money doing fights but he feels like it would be a betrayal of uh the like 
the honor of jujitsu and circumstances happen he gets a little bit involved with this uh like movie star who tim allen plays who's you know big hollywood and things get kind of manipulated and it all kind of cascades in a very mammoth way it's a very oddly kind of structured um and like the story is kind of oddly like there's an odd rhythm to it but it's very mammoth and i I think it's really incredible it's it's an amazing movie i love true Itology for but also the Tim Allen, obviously not a very good actor, uh, but mm-hmm. in, he is used so well in Red Belt. It's one of those things where like a not good actor is cast perfectly, um, maybe even without Tim Allen's kind of um, what you were talking about, about, um, I, I think it was off mic. We were talking about Mother and how you were saying that uh, Aronof- like it's a great movie almost in spite of Aronofsky because it's like yes. you feel like it's him not even realizing that he's making a movie about how shitty of a person he is. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like Tim Allen's character in Red Belt is this like smarmy Hollywood douchebag, like such like a huge dick. And it's perfect casting because it feels like, oh, this is the role that Tim Allen was like made to play and he's so good in it because of that. And he wouldn't even and he wouldn't even notice and, that. Yeah, he and he probably he probably didn't even, you know, connect that like, oh, this is just like me. Um but yeah, so Red Belt, I would strongly recommend people check that out. I haven't seen that movie, but I heard about it a long time ago. So it's, yeah, I saw it in theaters, yeah. uh, weirdly when it came out, and it, yeah, it's it's really no. it's very good. Um, Did you see the Visitor in the theaters? That was that same year. No, I oh, miss I miss seeing the Visitor in the theaters because I don't think it played anywhere. Red, randomly, Red Belt did, but the Visitor maybe Red didn't. Belt did not play where we played. So, um, yeah. But I, yeah, visitor, I, yeah, I caught the Visitor when it came out, like the week that it came out on like DVD, because I had heard all the rays about it. Um, and yeah, I mean that's that's an amazing movie for sure. It was that same year? That's the only reason why. I yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I but, think, but I, also, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the end of our Toy Story episode. Do you do you want to tease people for what is uh what's coming on our next episode? Yeah, we're gonna go save myself. We we certainly are. I was gonna make that bit. I was gonna make that joke too. You were gonna make that joke. Right? I was gonna yeah, make we're that gonna joke. Go, saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Ryan, and we may we may give a little tease. No, we 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 have a guest. We have our first guest. Yeah. Coming on our next episode, very. Should we say who it is? Sure. Yeah, you want to say who it is? No, I, I'm. I'm. Let you say it. I'm very excited. On our next episode, we'll be co-host of the Letterbox Show podcast, co-host of Weekend Watchlist over at Letterbox. It is the one and only podcast extraordinaire Slim will be joining us for our Saving Private Ryan episode, which you can all catch next week look forward to that i'm excited i've actually never spoke with slim yet on a podcast and i'm a big fan of slim over there at letterbox along with mitchell and everybody over there at letterbox but particularly slim does the weekend watch the show which is a fantastic show but then he also does the Letterbox show as well too. Mitchell does the weekend watch list along with Mia, and uh, Slim and Gemma do the the regular uh, Letterbox show, and they're both fantastic 
but it's Letterbox. Of course, it's fantastic. Like you know, like it's it's all these amazing people that are that love movies that are talking about movies and interviewing people that talk about movies and then talking about talking about talking about movies and then having other people's thoughts about movies on there and stuff. So it's a it's a big old movie fest going on over there. And uh, but yeah, I'm excited to talk with them about this movie i'm excited to hear your thoughts on this movie i kind of know a little bit about that you're not the biggest fan of it but it's been a while i believe since you've seen the film if i'm not mistaken yeah i i think i saw it a few years ago so a little bit more recently okay. some of those other stuff but yeah i mean you know we've as we've seen with me before i will watch things that i didn't especially like and come around on them so i'm definitely Excited to check it out again. I know that you really love it. Interestingly, um, I Slim told me that he doesn't think that he's actually ever seen it from like start to finish. Kind of like really, it's one of those. Yeah, for- one of those yeah. that you know we talked about before. Like one of those movies that you've seen, you know all of, but you've never actually sat down and watched it from start to finish. So it'll be really interesting to get Slim's uh take on it when we speak with him about it next week and until then ryan do you want to tell people where they can find you and your work sure uh you can find my trash all <laughs> over the good, internet good, very good, day. Very good day. <laughs> um at awards watch in session film film speak you can find uh my other podcast over at in session film that's the extra film podcast you can also find the new awards watch podcast it's released every monday um over at wartwatch.com doing a bunch of various stuff over there games news reviews all that fun stuff and then uh you can find us here at acting out on twitter at acting out pod you can email us at, at acting out pod at gmail.com if you have any questions maybe one day we'll do a listener question episode uh that'll be a lot of fun you know maybe talk about some uh, Tom Hanks related stuff. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the nation will ask about Chet. You never know. Maybe the nation talking will, about Chet. Who knows? Talking about Chet, baby. Uh, and uh, and yeah. So just uh, Mitchell, this was a lot of fun. But where where the, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter at it is Mitchell. Um, you can find my work at Letterboxd, uh, Pace Magazine, the playlist, uh, the film stage. As Ryan mentioned, I co-host uh, Weekend Watchlist with Slim and Mia over at Letterboxd. New episodes of that drop on Thursdays. I also, by the time this comes out, I'm doing um, a cool thing with Billy Ray Bruton over at the Incinerator podcast where him and I are co-hosting a series um, talking about the films of 1992 where we'll have an episode of that dropping once a month, uh, I think initially on Ooh. the Patreon for the incinerator and then eventually it'll show up on the main feed so keep an eye out for that by the time this episode drops probably the first episode of that'll be out um so yeah that's pretty much it yeah this was a good time toy story in it up and then next week we will go into saving private ryan until then ryan say goodbye to the people bye everyone